This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Our guest today is Raj Marwad. Raj, you're to be great today? I am. Raj is the CEO and founder of how do you say it? It's, it's Thrive Health. Thrive, Thrive Health. Without the fan, without the vowels. A venture-backed company developing a business in a box for wireless providers to optimize the business revenue through tech and personality matches, leading to a 2.7x multiplier of client LTV. Previously, he was a founder of the Next Level Fitness, a direct-to-consumer health and wellness company. Raj, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Excited, brother. So, so first thing, um, you're your mentor in um, Founders Institute, correct? Yeah. Um, How long have you been doing that? Oh, going on a year and a half, maybe the second year now. So it's been a lot of fun. I met uh, Jeremy here in Seattle, and I met Levi here, and uh, going on two years working with the Seattle and Austin group, because as we mentioned, I'm from Texas. I was actually lucky enough to work with the Levant group. And the Levant group is actually back home because we're from the Middle East, so it's actually a charter and a chapter in Lebanon, Iran, and Iraq. And I think that's probably been the coolest thing uh, that I've been able to do with the Founders Institute, which is help people back home and see how we can help, you know, across cross, cross borders, to be honest. So first, cheers. Yeah, cheers, brother. <laughs> there you go. So um, I'm going to have you walk me through some real fast, right? So I'm part of Founders Institute, too. We started, I think, last Wednesday. Been with it for a week. And so we have a meeting tomorrow. So from the 15th to 22nd, we got to do customer interviews. So I was going to have you walk walk us through, like, how would you do customer interviews? What would be your advice to, like, a new, brand-new founder, founder institute? They have an idea. How do you go back get customers? Like, me, I know my customer base, so to speak, right? What would you advise, like, to walk, what type of questions, five questions, ten questions, timeless, anything you, you can think of? Absolutely, and that's a great point. Our customer discovery was, was an ordeal. And I don't know how the Founders Institute does it, but it's probably like, hey, get your 50 calls in, 10, 15, 20 calls. Um, so for us, we actually ended up doing about 97 of these discovery calls. And I thought to myself, I got to find my persona, my niche, and my beachhead market. If you're not 100% what sure that is right then and there, I wouldn't go directly into the customer discovery yet. Really start thinking of the persona of that person you're going to really help. Not with that pain pill or with that vitamin, but with a real pain pill. So you're saying if someone's out there says, my customer's everyone, they need to like go back to the drawing board, right? I hate to be that person. Yeah. Because that's messaging is hard to talk mm -hmm. to a, a mom, a daughter, a brother, a sister, an octogenarian, a 20-year-old, a high schooler, a PhD. So if you can really, if your litmus test is everybody can use this, take a pause. Really take a pause. Or else you're just going to kind of start running in circles. So we really got to what does, and then you have to think on CJ, like whatever that persona is, what does success look like to that person? Success to you could be, hey, X amount of views. Awesome. Success to me could be X amount of dollars. So it's really important to understand your persona, the problem that you're trying to fix before you interview them. What does success look like to them? Because then that's one of the biggest questions we had is kind of, we have these open-ended questions as to what does success look like to this specific person? Again, it could be a peak performance athlete, or it could be a middle manager over at Amazon. And as a PM with some features coming out, it's a very different success of this was deployed, this was deployed instead of, hey, we got X amount of points in the game. So it's really important to know what success looks like. For us, what we ended up doing is um, ours was really 
ours was actually pretty simple. It's direct to consumer health and wellness. And we thought to ourselves, where do most people go for questions about their health and wellness? And if it's a corrective exercise, which we really try to focus on, obviously the first thing was YouTube. So we started looking at some of the keywords and the key questions for health and wellness on YouTube from our persona. And we used about four or five of those questions in our customer discovery. What I found was the best thing is I was projecting a lot of my thought process. So I've been in the industry for quite some time when it comes to health and wellness. And I said, it's probably convenience and finances that are the biggest barriers to entry. And I was sorely mistaken. So what we did is after we took about 15 minutes and I, I'd implore everybody to try this. Um, Mars View. Mars View AI is like a transcription recording service. So imagine, Jason, you want to do your 15-minute calls with some of your customer discovery. It's great. We ended up recording every single one of those conversations. So we had 97 conversations. And do you have to get permission from people to do that? 100%. Okay. Absolutely let everybody know that they're recording them. Um, did anyone ever say, no, don't record it? Actually, one person did. Uh, we still obviously did the interview and, and, and tried to understand. And it was nothing other than they were in a position where they just didn't want to have their name out. Um, so we recorded it. And then Marsview has that transcription. It's it's almost like, I think it's 8,000 minutes for free. So you guys don't even have to pay for it. And what we did is we went in and we basically, through SQL and Python, we ran a word cloud. So we took all those transcriptions and just popped them up into a word cloud. And the top friction points were so far off my radar of understanding. And that's when we really started understanding healthy habits and health and wellness isn't about money or, or, or actual convenience, it's really about belonging. We've realized, hey, Jason, you know, there's somebody waiting on you. There's somebody empowering you. There's a community here for you, the Pelotons, the, the, the CrossFits and whatnot. So it ended up being a relationship quotient. And that's kind of how Thrive was born. It's almost like the Myers-Briggs for your personal trainer. Okay. So do you want that drill sergeant, Doug, or do you want your <laughs> empathetic Eric? And, you know, it really panned out through those customer discoveries that we had to do. And it's important to, it's tough. I had a, a my mentor, Sean, he um, he almost did like I almost tried to go lockstep or whatever he did. I tried to do better. So he's like, all right, sixty, you know, blank customer calls. Like, cool, I got got to beat Sean. And that's how I knew that due diligence. We were kind of narrowing where we wanted to. And I'm guessing you'd recommend, you know, if you had to reach out, like, like for us, we got to talk to nine people. You would say, find nine people you don't know, right? Oh, Versus yeah. nine people like you know. And even that you talk to nine people you, you don't know, human nature like kind of be nice, you know. No how, do you, how do you like how do you like read through the niceness, you know, no and question. get the real, get the real answers, you know? You don't. I'll be really upfront because they might not even know, and they're giving you that bias. Um, unless you have, you know, some people that you really you don't like. The joke is my wife is a great red team because she hates everything that I do. So like, what do you think about this? She's like. <laughs> So yeah, I would, I would, uh, we even call them third networks. So not even your first friend or a friend of a friend. Do you know anybody who knows anybody? <laughs> so, so we do that third network effect. And that's when you get some of that raw stuff of like, so what is this experience again? Mm -hmm. Like, and then, and then you start getting to the real questions like, all right, so not just the five-year-old doesn't understand it, but the third network person doesn't understand it either. Is there like a, anything out there that says, you know, you should ask like 10 questions, five questions, is this, or is this like mix it up to the founder to say, this is what I need to learn to gain something from this? I'll be really honest. I think if you, you they'll gloss over after five, we yeah. try to keep it to three to four mm -hmm. to be really honest and have more of a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And the dialogue, we're just under threads of three or four. Um, and there's some pretty, pretty bespoke ones to what you want to do and where you are in the stage of the startup. But realistically, it's the, the three or four that pretty generic of, oh, what do you do now for this situation type thing? And where do you go to? And then you get more of this, the user story before. Overcoming up on seven and eight and nine, they're like, yeah. I, I know whenever I get a survey, it, it, when I get to question 10, I stop. 
Like that's my cutoff. I don't care who it is. And that's like a really good friend that yeah. asked me to do, you know, but that's some random survey. I, I, I'll do nine questions, like 10, I'm done. Like I'll, I'll email, hey, I can't, I can't deal with this. This is too much. And then you almost have to preemptively mentally prepare them. Hey, can you answer this quick nine question? You know, so yeah. then you're mentally like, all right, on this ninth one, I'm done. I can yeah. get to nine. But if it's like, all right, here's some question here on number nine. You're like, well, this is going to go to 27. I'm, I guess yeah. I got to okay, press yeah. the send button. And plus two, like, you know, would you rather answer nine questions like this, you know, pick A, B, C, and D, or five questions, be able to do like a paragraph, yeah. typing a paragraph or which one, right? Exactly. If you get a little bit more detail and hear their voice, their mm-hmm. story, it's a little bit more, it's a higher efficacy. And that's why I just like talking and then having the transcription do it. So I'll use myself as an example. Right? I'm doing the interviews. And so my company, Kevin and HR, we're going to do HR for companies for and a few people. So should I reach out to only small business owners with four and a few people or anyone who works in a company of four and people? Interesting. HR specific to what? Uh, in, employee handbooks, uh, HR policies, job descriptions, onboarding, sponsor advice. That's interesting. So what I would do is, I, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm right there with you. You have your target market sizing. I think also then what I would do and what we did is we looked at some antiquated industries where we know these things aren't in place. Mm -hmm. And somehow there's a high churn, a high turnover because the internal processes weren't good. Um, I think you couldn't quickly start getting a little bit more detailed in your beach and niche head market of exactly what you're trying to solve and those pain points. Because, you know, a 49 person company or under 50 might have a great infrastructure already. And then until you start seeing, okay, well, this is more of a, Hey, it's 50 people in this company, but 40 of them are 1099. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like independence. There's no seamless transition at mm-hmm. that point. So they probably need you know, a little bit more internal uh, processes. So I get a little, I'd even start learning more about the industries and how they operate um, before we even start getting that list out. And you need to get how many all in? About nine or 10? Yeah, we've got to do nine, nine in one a week. Yeah. What were some of the example ones that you were thinking of? Uh, just like, you know, I have a pretty good network, you know. So what I did already, you know, I sent a message on Twitter, you know, hey, this is going on. You know, who's my candidate? The same thing with um, LinkedIn. Yep. Plus, I'm going to reach out to people in the podcast, you know, and, and ask them not to interview them specifically, but can they refer someone else, you know? Totally. Yeah, so we're going like that. So that worked out. And so how we did it, then what we found was um, there was like a group, a Slack group. And this is Slack group is a Seattle-specific um, the Fang computer engineer. So it was your Facebook, Apple's, ne- you know, Netflix's and the Google's. And I kind of just threw a grenade in there and I said, whose lower back hurts by the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And you can imagine my my end users is a person who's kind of hunched yeah. over all day long. And uh, there was a 230,000 person Slack group. And so we had almost, you know, 1,200 people be like, yeah, I have some questions and here's how I do this, this, and this. So we were lucky enough to find a really good watering hole before we started uh, trying to talk to people. So we found them all in one real good spot. Is there a difference in doing interviews like, you know, over the phone, in person, Zoom? Do you find like they're better in person or or, or what do you think? A hundred percent. And this is just me as a, you know, philosophically, when when everything happened in our in our brick and mortar direct to consumer wellness, we didn't go virtual. I, I truly feel there's a dynamic that's missed in this interpersonal connection. We might go from macro communities to micro, so a little bit smaller pockets. I don't think we're going to go completely virtual. So if you can, even if it's just not a call, but you can see their mannerisms, mm-hmm. their face, the emotions, the... Oh, the lean-in mm-hmm. factor? That's a delta. Because then that's when you know you hit that problem point. Like, yeah. hey, Jay, if you could solve this for me instead of this, hey, if you could solve this for me. So you yeah. can kind of get their mannerisms. And, you know, again, that's a that's a testament to everything in the virtual world. Um, you know, everything going with Peloton and stuff like that. I, I don't think people are going to re- be replaced by virtual 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of remote, but like there's nothing I can purchase. Like, like you was actually in the podcast like a, a month ago, but you know, something you got sick, I think. Yep. And so you should be going to virtual. No, man, let's do it in person. Because yeah. in person, just, it's just so much better, right? It's, it is, man. And I got to see the tattoo. Yeah. We got to, you know, we got to drive yeah. vibe on that. And then we, then we connect. Yep. And then that, the relationship and then the, the dialogue completely changes instead of just like, yeah, like I learned it from Texas. I learned it from Fair Texas. We both know Ricardo Perez. That's crazy, man. It's like, it's like, I saw that. I have the same tattoo and stuff. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's suppose like like suppose I do my nine interviews. Anyone who finds this interview Seattle does nine interviews. What information should they track? Should they track like the who they talk to? The answer. Because one thing I messed up on a couple years. I did. I did a couple years ago, right? I talked to a lot of people. What I messed up on. I really. I did, all I did was I just track like um. There's more detail in this but I, but I track basically like where they pay for Kevin's HR is affordable and you know all this kind of stuff. I didn't track, you know, what the problems were. I didn't track who they were, the emails. I, I just like I just like 80% said yes and I would do that, right? Yeah. So how in depth I'm guessing it needs to be pretty in depth in detail, but what metrics should we all be tracking to use this? Because I would love I kick myself every day, man, if, if I only go back to those people again, right? But I have no idea who I talk to. Oof. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, yeah, at least a contact person themselves. More importantly, I think what it was for us was the metrics that matter. So, for again, if we have, you know, your weekly metrics that you want to, I mean, I'm not sure how the Founder Institute's doing now, but if it's, hey, these are your weekly metrics that you got to follow up on, those metrics that matter need to be consistent throughout the entire time. So, over the 10 weeks it takes you to get those nine or 10 interviews, they should be the same KPIs and the same metrics that you're going to follow. So, What's the size of the company? What industry are they in? What's their major point? And then if there was a p pricing and whatnot, so all the questions you asked, but then a little bit more, um, you know, background and artillery on actually the the independent party that they work with, because then you can find the friction points in the industries. And what I found really really interesting, especially in startups, is the pivot factor comes a lot because it's interdisciplinary in, in industry. Jason, business is business to me. It really, really is. I built a, a, a marketplace SaaS solution for health and wellness, but I could iterate and put that exact same thing on the prop tech side or fintech side. So once you have something that works, cross industry agnostic problems usually arise all the time. I can imagine that HR is a personnel problem and that can they can hit any business from hospitals to, to, you know, to Googles to mm -hmm. anything like that. So you have a really robust problem that can be pretty similar to a lot of different industries. So keeping up with that specific specificity would be really helpful. So Rox, any more advice on, on this before we move on? Oh man, those customer discoveries, I'd be honest, really lean into them. They're important. They're really important. I don't think people enough put enough um, waiting on the customer discovery because then you'd find your real persona. You find the real person who's going to open up their wallet. And you like, see, so you might have a, they might have a problem you haven't thought about, right? And exactly. you got to do a quick pivot. Exactly. And actually, most people finalize when they have these customer discovery questions. They're like, "Wow, the same problem that I was thinking about. That's how we were. Is totally different from what they're saying." So I think it's really important to get as many as you can under your belt and listen. Really, really listen. Don't project what you think. You saw on the LinkedIn Live. Um Someone named Julianne Cage said, yes, great to catch you live. And I know this one, Marcus, he's my frat brother. He's on this. We got two people on there. But it says eight people watching. So sometimes sometime people, of course, is in here. No worries. What frat were you in? Uh, five Beta Sigma. Okay. Um, so, Why don't I take this Yeah, off? yeah. Because you're, you're, I'm burning the fuck up just watching I'm a, the biggest frat boy here. So next, um, let's talk about the current startup scene. We've got all, all mostly on the right. So go back to the day. 
Enron, you know, Cricket Company, the signs are out there, you know, Ross Fargo, like five, six years ago, they were making like fake accounts, you know, recently they like made all this like some kind of diversity stuff they got caught doing. So it's like companies are doing bad things consistently doing right. And so we're talking now like all these companies like laying people off, you know, Coinbase is like, you know, now they give Coinbase some credit. Suppose they're giving people like too much pay if they didn't bring them on, which is a good thing. But Coinbase, people not remember this, like remember the Super Bowl ad they had? I remember. So it was like the it was like the QR code going going across the screen. Oh, and I heard they crush it with that one. Yes. I heard they crush because everyone was like, all right, fuck it, let's try it. Like they didn't know. Sorry. They did it. Yeah, you can cuss. Okay. They did it, but after that, the CEO said they did it on their own. They could, they could not find an agent to help them out. This ad agency from New York City, the female CEO came on blind and said, no, motherfucker, this is all the stuff we did for you, right? So you lied about it, right? And now this, and this is like, and then you have like- you Why? Know, like, what the f- And then you have like the former work CEO, um, I can't remember his name. Adam. Whatever. Adam something. So he was at an interview though, like a month ago. He's raising money for another, for another startup and they're giving him money, right? And then- He, ain't raised, he raised 600 goddamn million dollars, He's brother. out there. They're giving give more money for something else. And then you have um, Zenefits, you know, this year, Parker Conrad. Is that one? What'd he do? Um, Probably another thing. He, like, did some illegal stuff. He, like, he basically was selling insurance without broker's licenses, you know. And suppose it's like a bro culture, you know, taking shots every day. Suppose they had a rule, you know, and you, everyone can, you know, Google this yourself. Zenefits, what on Zenefits. You know, suppose they had a policy, no six in the stairways, you know, just crazy stuff, right? Yeah. So he got kicked out of Zenefits. He went and started another HR company called Rippling, and he raised like that's about the same. And then that uh, remember that dude from um, Kimber's name? He fired like two hundred people on Zoom. Yeah. He did that. The board kicked him off. Suppose the board brought him back on. Yeah. Like there's all these back actors out right? there. Like it's like, do you have any moral integrity? Like it's and it's like these same people keep getting getting funded and stuff. So it's like kind of frustrating, right? It's like it's super frustrating. I think what's I think just in general, I, I've had a real and this is actually a personal issue that I deal with in in our own home. <laughs> You know, I, I started in in the corporate side. I started in a, in a bank, and and it's just really hard, man. Because how are you gonna? And I think that's when I started my fund. I ran a hedge fund for a bit, but I I, I traded. I, I worked more on the debt side. I have another drink. If that's okay. Yeah, you? try one of these other ones. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try uh, Kentucky Straight. Um, so what we did is we, you know, I don't understand how you're gonna raise. How are you going to come out and say your earnings are amazing and, and bullshit as, as the CEO of a company in the very next week fire, you know, 18% of your workforce? I think what's really hard is innately people lie. And when they get in this space where they're like, you know, Theron, Elizabeth Holmes was a good friend of mine, uh, just growing up in Houston. And, and when we moved over there and, and she was a good friend and, you know, you get caught up in your own words. You know, when you're the youngest self-made billionaire female. And you have a big chip on your shoulder and you're going to Barack Obama in the White House to have dinners and you want to do the right thing. You that's, that's a slippery slope. But I just and that's why I never really got into equity. People would always tell me when I ran my hedge fund, they're like, oh, what do you think about Apple? I'm like, I don't give a shit about Apple because a CEO of any company can lie. Mm-hmm. And the very next week they, they, they lay off half of their people. And that's why I care very little about startups raising money. Very, very little. We can all raise money with a good story. Um, and we've seen it ad nauseum. It doesn't mean it's a viable company. Yeah, even if that's out there, even if you raise money, VC money, you still only have one percent chance of making it, right? I still don't even understand how some of these guys are valued. At like a friend of mine works in a logistics company, valued at nine billion dollars. That isn't profitable. Explain that to me. I, I can't even in my brain. I can't rationalize that. So 
I think there's some bad actors that out there, and and they put a stigma on everybody. But there's some good ones out there, oh, yeah, definitely, just, yeah. and they just never get the limelight because they don't have the unicorn status. And I think I think I might be wrong, but on your LinkedIn profile, it has a picture of a unicorn throwing up, isn't it? That's you, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. It's ridiculous, man. Now with Coinbase, like you have to question the business, right? Because how do you not know? This was going to happen, right? Like you didn't have to force that. You have you have, you have the senior executive people on your team, and you can f- foresee this. And then there was an article yesterday where supposedly like a bunch of uh, employees at Coinbase signed a petition asking the CEO to fire his staff, right? Because like the staff got in this point, right? It was like you know basically our employer brand is shot. If we go somewhere else, we have Coinbase. We look like shit, you know. Of course, he blew him off. Basically, told him like, don't like it, go find a job somewhere yeah. else, right? You know, so yeah. I mean, there's another guy. I don't know if you guys saw what the Do, Do Kwan guy. I mean, he did the UST Terra crypto and 40 billion erased. And the amount the amount of bullshit he was espousing, it's it's impressive. But he could baffle everybody with the bullshit. I mean, he's he's tethering lending on cryptos versus non collateralized assets that are digitized, and and everyone's just they're just eating it up. He's he but he raised 400 million dollars. Guy got a tattoo of a Luna coin on his arm. I'm like, you don't even know what the fuck's going on, guys. And in three days, he lost $40 billion. So I, I think, unfortunately, just with the hype, it's just going to come. And that's why, you know, um, our company, Art Assassin, now it's, there's no, there's no buzzwords. There's no blockchain. Mm-hmm. There's no AI. There's no ML. We found a problem and we fixed a problem. Like, find a need, fill a need. That's what business is to me. I don't need any bullshit just to pretend like, I mean... I know how, how silly I am in general. Like I don't need, I don't, I don't need to pretend like I'm not. So uh, we we steer clear of all. And I I don't think a lot of people are like I traded these derivatives in FX for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I can, I know these markets better than most. I still can't wrap my brain around anything that guy was saying. Mm-hmm. And you know, when some people when when people rebuttal him and he goes, you know, I, one of his tweets was um, a South Korean kid. He goes, I don't I don't I don't like I don't argue with poor people. And I'm like, it's just brilliant. You're like, in a nutshell, that's the entire company right there. So. At that point, you like gracefully bow out from all of it, and and don't don't hang your hat on that bullshit. It's not that's not a startup. That's just a it's it's hope. It's a lot of hope. So, Rod, you're also on a board of advice for coming out of New Zealand, right? Mm. Can you talk about that? UARD, um, amazing, amazing guy. So, Doctor Hanson is is a brilliant human being, and he's doing something that should have been done a long, long, long time ago, and he's basically solidifying and then amplifying the credentials that go through real life. So for example, Jay, you were in the army for what, 25 years? 25 years, yeah. You probably had some massive leadership experience. Yes, yes. And what he's done, he's now getting you credit for that. Okay. So he's doing leadership. So you could get a master's in leadership, a master's in giving you the true accreditation from your experience in life. And to me, that's massively important because we can talk about pieces of paper and learning, but if you're in the real world experience is very, very different. Go back to Mike Tyson. Everybody's really good at shadow boxing, but when someone throws a punch yeah. in your face, it's totally different. Yeah, you and I can do recons all day long, or you know, any whatever physical revolution you want. But until you're out there and you hear it and you see it, just a lot of that. Yeah, you can do seven on seven flag football drills all that's day long. It. That's it. Until you get in the mouth, you're like shit. That one hurt. Yeah, until you get smashed in the mouth. Yeah, and you got to get back up. And so what um, Dr. Hans is doing is he's basically. He, he went, which actually you're going to love it. Uh, Mays school of business, A&M. Okay. So he's now getting, so your experience of X, Y, and Z years, COVID you're, you're a nurse and you just went through the worst time there is he or she doesn't even matter, but you've seen leadership, you've seen emergency planning and management. So you get a master's in emergency prep and management through his school, which to me, and that's accredited through Texas A&M, you know, May school of business. You are giving people with real-world experience the academic credentials that they deserve. 
And that's something I can really support, especially seeing the first responders that have been going through everything right now. Um, brother, sister, mom, dad are all physicians. Seeing them work their fingers to the bone and understand coordinating anything under the sun in the ERs, that's leadership to me. That's emergency preparedness and management. And my, my business partner, Mary Kay, she she has a she's a master's in, you know, she's in communications, internal, external management and emergency communications. It's extremely lucrative and takes a skill set that nobody understands. You know, she'll sit in front of 104 CEOs of hospitals. Great, you're the CEO of a hospital. If you can't explain to your constituency, not even even externally, but just internally as well, what's going on, people aren't going to follow you. So uh, I'm really, really happy about what he's doing. He's putting some great people through some education and getting them the accreditation that they deserve because they've gone through it. So did, did, it, did they reach out to you to be on the board of advisors? You reach out to them? And and so the three more questions. Like, why did you say yes to them? And what makes you say yes to anyone to be on the board of advisors? Absolutely. So I've had, had quite a few. And um, Dr. Hanson, uh, Craig, is, is he was the Delta. He is so passionate, so articulate, and shows the most leadership of anybody I've ever seen. But more importantly, he's innovative. If there's something that might, you know, he's not, um, he doesn't come. And by innovative, I mean he, he has very little ego in a good way. He doesn't come in and see every nail with a hammer that he holds in his hand. He said, no, no, this makes sense for this person. This makes sense for this person. So I'd have to be, to be honest, you know, the delta for a lot of people, too, is the founder themselves. And um, Dr. Hansen was one of those. I was like, wow, when he, when he talks, I listen. And I love what he's doing for the constituency. And how long have you been with them? Oh, less than a year now. Less than a year? Yeah. So next, um, you have your own podcast, right? We tried, yeah. So what's going on with that? So you have a co-host, right? I do, my business partner. And, and it's like you like you just, y'all two just talk about different things. You have any guests on or how's that format we, work? We we almost do case case work, mm-hmm. uh, case by case stuff. So she's a, an, an amazing, amazing, brilliant consultant. But she... She's very complimentary to me. Um, we do, we call it almost like the goofus and gallant. <laughs> yeah, I'm goofus and she's gallant and, and she keeps everything kind of lined up and I kind of go off the rails. But she's, you know, a, a very well-educated Caucasian woman and I'm kind of a truncated brown kid from Texas. So our, our rapport works really well. She's absolutely brilliant. And we have a really, really witty banter. But we try and do win or learn. Um, we've both gotten kicked a lot. Mm-hmm. And we all have in life, and you can sit on that X of a loss, or it's a learning situation. And so, when I've had some stuff with, with big black marks in my career, she was there for me, helping me understand, hey, do it this way moving forward. That's not who you are as a person. So, we learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun. We try and look at case studies more importantly. So, internally at companies, actually, perfect example. Why isn't this? What's the internal metrics? And where's your employee handbook? And where's all this for your internal stuff for the HR? And why is it not working? It might not be HR. It might be, hey, you have the wrong beachhead market. You have the wrong product. Your go-to-market strategy off. But we really try and find the learning side of anything that's not exactly what you thought it would be. So it's been a lot of fun. So from your time, time being entrepreneurship, you know, being a lot of startups, you know, your experience, what's the one thing you see like startup founders just consistently get wrong over and over and over oh, again? Oh, man. Their own bullshit. Um, I have seen. So they believe they, they believe their own hype. Yeah, I've I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot. I can't pretend I wasn't there too. Um, I was lucky enough when I, I got humbled very quickly at a very early age, and it allowed me to just shut up and listen for a bit. Um, it was a double-edged sword. I did extremely well way too soon, so I started believing my own Icarus bullshit, and um, 
then you know you, you take a few shots and you come back and then you start seeing those pattern recognition like oh you have a little bit of gumption a lot of a little bit of traction a little bit of validation and you throw your own gas on that fire and realistically then you get yourself in trouble or then you're not you don't have the infrastructure to scale and whatnot so i think more importantly and this comes full circle exactly what you said about coinbase and raising money stop rate i mean i'd raise money to scale do not raise money to prove your product. I've known a lot of people who literally raise just to get $1 past their burn for the month. No. No, no, no. If, you, if you're if you're like right now, if you if you are waiting on market liquidity to get you off the ground, your business needs it. Uh, you need to check it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard if you raise the money to, to pay your, oper- your current operation costs, you're, you're like doing the wrong thing. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work, especially when capital dries up and your story changes and you have some, some hiccups. So um, my first... Startup here in Seattle, next level. It um, first month was profitable, uh, and I didn't start it until it was. Like I know for a fact, I do. I love the lean startup, the Eric Reese models. Um, in in our SaaS solution, first month live was 11k in MRR, completely you know 98% margin. So we made a point to only turn it on. It took me 17 months to get there. Let me be very very clear about that. From ideation to first dollar of revenue, 17 months. First month, 11k in MRR, all net cash flow. So. It took time, but I like taking, and I always do this. My hedge fund, um, it was a weird six-month ramp up because I don't take the buckshot approach. I take a sniper shot approach. I want to clip the wings off of a mosquito a mile away because I want to go straight you know, institutional from the beginning. So we're very, very targeted in our approach, and that was something that was, that's was that been beneficial for us, especially since you know it's not a lot of cost spending out there just trying to test everything out. So taking a really, really cognitive and tactile approach to the startup allowed us to be like that. And I think most founders are like, get some traction, get their name out there, and then all of a sudden they start believing their own hype. So talk about this, like, so so I used to be a part of Bunko Labs, and the program called Veterans Resident for like, rework is like 10 veterans in different cities, free space. It's like six month program. I would have run it like weekly meetings, whatever, kind of like founders to, but with all the equity stuff. And so at the beginning of each six months, I would ask everyone, would ask everyone, what, what, what do you see yourself in, in six months? And so many people would say, you know, we would have 100 customers and raise $2 million. I always have like the drawing back, right? Let's, let's read things. It's like, be more realistic, right? Yeah. So many people, oh, you know, I'm, I'll be Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg. And they don't realize like Apple was an Apple like eight years, right? Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg coded his base like what, how many long it was, right? Yeah. It's like so many people like, I have this great idea. Five people told me it's great. I see there's money out there. Easy peasy, right? But then they get kicked, kicked in the teeth all, all over again, right? I and I'll just be really. I have some, right now. I have a I have a startup and um, just helping them talk, and they're going straight into talking about raising money. And I said, for what? For what? Well, the product. What product? Who wants the product? Where are you going to sell the product? What's the pricing on the product? I mean, anything and everything. There was never an answer. Like, great. So you can go raise this money. Which they probably could. I'll just be really honest. It's not the biggest amount of money. It's a good story. But there's nothing past the idea and the story. So at what point am I like, great, if you raise even a dollar, Jason, you still owe these people a dollar. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know what you're going to do with it next. And maybe this dollar that you raised, you didn't realize is actually needing to be $100 million. Yeah. And it's just going to end up being something tough. So, and at that point, I almost don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I almost have to be like, hey, listen, you need to go back to your group and, and, and really tell your group what you're doing. Because this is kind of helping as an uh, almost like a pseudo advisory role, but they're in a, a cohort like you like you might have mentioned. And I, I think it's, to be honest, it's 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 on that incubator accelerator cohort to be like, hey, listen, 
no, hold on. And I was lucky. I was lucky again. He, I even saw him walking here, which I thought was crazy. Sean, my mentor, he, he put me through his program and he said, there's three outcomes. Get your product up, scale your product, put two in the head, mm. like take it to pasture. It's like, no, because they will tell you, we need to take this to pasture. You tried. We've spent six weeks on this. You either need to pivot or take it to pasture. So I really respected that. And that's why I went through that program. Cause I was like, Hey, if you're going to tell me that my baby's ugly, I, I want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner than later. Absolutely. And then not even just your baby's ugly. Your, your baby might need different shoes. Okay, yeah. cool. Let, let, let's look at someone else. So it was a really, really safe space to be vulnerable. And it was, a, and then you respect that, that person. When you have that vulnerability and you know, it's a safe space and it comes from safety and, 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 and empathy. They're not trying to shit on you. Yeah. They're just not. They're Some, looking most people come from a good place. They do. But there are a few who don't, unfortunately, you know. There are. And, I, and you know, most of the guys who've done it before, they know. They know how hard it was. So, there's, you know, Seattle, I don't know if you know Dave Parker. And, yeah. Whoo, Dan, Dave, all these guys. Oh, the one is John Seacrest. Man, John, he, uh, he don't fuck around. He doesn't fuck around. He tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. It's funny. And that's, I, I tell people, they do a job, but they go, Seattle, you come. I tell them, hey, you know. You better have a thick skin. You better, you know, because you're going to tell the truth from this point of view. So, Jay, my, my cap table is completely clean, except for one person. Well, two. My two advisors. And this guy I keep talking about. Because the first time I met him, I didn't like him. <laughs> I just, he I was like, this guy's a dickhead. And we kept, I kept respecting him. I kept talking to him. He kept telling me that, you know, not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. He did it in the right way. And he's, and he's a, a life, I owe him. I really am like the John Seacrest type people. Yeah. So it's good to have those in your corner. Here's one for you. So people, you know, people tell you all the time, you know, take the feedback. If they say so, you don't take it personal. But how do you not take it personal? Fuck you. Like you invested all your time in it. Fuck it's basically your baby. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, like your face. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, not uh, how do you not take it personal? Like, you know what I mean? Like this slammed and like, no, do this, do that. That's wrong. That's wrong. You're like, I just, yeah, I, I don't think it's realistic. I had somebody tell me, um, but let's let's actually let's play this game. I talk a lot. I'll just be really honest. I talk a little too much. So when I'm talking about my, my ideas or my company or whatnot, it turns into kind of like this verbal diarrhea. <laughs> it's like, well, and I and I tell you 14 steps. So we have a we have a digital health and wellness based on healthy habits on personality. So Myers Briggs. But if I told you in seven years we're going to be a health insurance company, you're like what the fuck? Okay. And that's the, I play chess in my head. So I had this conversation with some people, and 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 you know I grew. My hedge fund almost two billion. Like, so I've I've done some stuff, um, and I remember I was trying to explain. I make all these assumptions. I just, I just gave all this. Oh, this is what we're doing. And they're like, "What? Look, is this crackhead?" <laughs> and then this person said, "You are just not a leader." And I was like, "It, it just stopped me. It stopped me in my tracks." And the first thing I was like, "Who the?" And and so when I when I first when I did that, I had to stop. Mm. I just it's like, "Okay, Raj." My message was terrible. My message was garbage. My delivery was garbage. It was frenetic. It was disjointed. It was it was my brain just dump. And I'm like, so if a leader is someone who can articulately explain the vision, shit, I wasn't a leader that day. So it was hard. It was really, really hard. But um, I took it personally. Yeah, it's hard not to. I took it personally for and, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the, the, I'm in a lot of competitions. You see how different places, you know, and I like, you know you have the people do the pictures. 
things always drive me crazy. Like they'll, they'll say the pitch is three minutes, certain number of slides, and then, you know, you do the pitch, you get the feedback from the, you know, the guest panel. You should have said this, you should have said that. Like, you do not understand the rules like I did. Like, yeah. Or, you know, of course, everyone could feedback. There's like only one person, right, who plays jump to jump to jump, right? Yep. And you just tell that I come from a good place. And but then you get to say, thank you, so may have another, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Probably counterintuitive. It, that's why sometimes I don't do that. A lot of people they call it mentor whiplash. Mm. Sometimes I'm like, "Fuck you!" It's just too much noise. It's too much noise. If you can find the signal noise, great. But I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And a lot of times, especially sixty seconds. Come on. Yeah. You know what's interesting though? So this is so bad. And and John Seacrest. I was like, "Fuck you, John," because he kept sixty seconds cutting you off. I was like, I'm, and, and, and so then I got my ego and I got my butt hurt and I said, no, but I, you know, I'm a, I've masters in this. I want to, let me tell, let me explain to you what I'm building. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. I was like, but, oh, fuck. And then the, another young lady was Caitlin, Caitlin, brain space, amazing human being doing so good. Her and her husband, um, she, she put me in the best, like in the best way possible in my place. Mm. And I, and it was a conversation with John and everybody there. And I was like. Man, this Mad Lib 60-second bullshit. And she goes, yeah, Raj, but what about the, in the power that, that comes from the ability to actually do that? And I was like, if I can succinctly in 60 seconds give this beautiful, eloquent, big picture whatever I'm doing, that is powerful. Yeah, that's... It, I hate to... No, I know. And so I sit back. I was like, damn it, Caitlin, you're right. If I could succinctly be like... Like the like ball moment right there. You know what I'm trying to say? And I was like, damn it. So then I, instead, so there was back to this. Mm. No, man, I don't need, I want, but she's a hundred percent right. The power of delivering something in 60 seconds to really get people to be like, oh shit, yeah, I get it. It was cool. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. I, I, I personally, and I always, I wholeheartedly contend like my resume is not a piece of paper. It's a conversation. Mm. This is what I did. This is what I'm doing. This is my vision, blah, blah, blah. And not everyone wants to hear that. You're not going to get first meetings that way. Mm. Um, so I know that my, my arc is a much longer arc. Mm. And I play that long game myself. That's my personality, though. You have to also know who you are as a person. Yes. Uh, I mean, who you are as physically, personality, philosophy. Can you deal with the long arc, the long game? Um, with a company now, LaSara, the, the, the founder, Barrett. I mean, I, I didn't think I was going anywhere else outside of Thrive. And he, he gets it. He gets the long and that's hard. It's painful. It's hard. But the long game for me is is sustainability and real change. So yeah, I definitely you gotta be authentic, right? I tell people for a job all the time. Like, now get me wrong. If you need a job, do what you gotta do right. You know, yeah. you know. I'm not saying lie or anything, but maybe you know, like you, if you were for a job interview, I would say, hey, show your tattoos, right? Yeah, be your person, right? But now, if you needed like a job t t tomorrow because you're about to be homeless, then yeah. you maybe want to hide them, you know, or like be, you know, if they ask a question, yeah, you answer it, right? But I always tell them, be authentic. Like my resume, I have a picture on it, you know, I say, you know, I'm a tattooed INFJ, Army officer, you know, all this shit's out front, right? Yep. Because like, you know, you want people to know, right? Absolutely. And my thing, people say, well, well you open up to bias. Okay. So you're saying I can look at my LinkedIn profile? Yeah. And I would rather have like, not get a call back and then go to an interview and they say, oh, you're, you're from Texas, and and then in the back of my mind, we're not hiring from, you from Texas, right? You waste all the time, right? Just, to me, just be upfront about it, right? And that's why, to be really honest, it's actually a great tool, because then it's binary. Yep. You know what I have to waste your fucking time. Yep. If you're going to look at my tattoos and not look at my master's degrees, <laughs> cool. I don't want to talk. Like, we're, we probably won't yeah. have a great relationship. Yeah. To me, I, I, it's fucked up, but I, you know, I left, and I got knuckle tattoos for a reason. And then there was another thing with Barrett, and, and, and he, all right, one of our executives... Has tattoos and say something. 
It's just, and, and that's that's binary to me. That's a binary yeah. outcome of like, this is somebody I want to work with. This mm-hmm. is someone to build with because I know it's past here. It's not yeah. just this short-sighted bullshit. So my thing is like, hire the best person for the job. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? You look yeah. past all the stuff, you know, you know, if you want to bring morality in, okay, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you know, but still like, you know, like, yeah, it's who's the best person for the job. Totally. And I, I think so many companies mess up and I'll, I'll use like a, I'll use Uber and Chick-fil-A, for example, right? Hit me. Uber, like, you know, it's pretty sort of like a progressive, left-leading company, you know, right? So, but suppose they need a, a head of marketing. If I'm conservative, am I going to go apply to work for Uber? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. And same thing with Chick-fil-A, yeah. pretty conservative, you know, kind yeah. of Christian. Yep. If I'm a, you know, left-leaning liberal, am I going to apply to work there? I might be the best person job by far. I'm not wasting my time. Yeah. You know, I just think so many people are like, and of course, the business decisions, you know, you want to, you know, so it's, I think it's kind of complicated, right? I think that's such an interesting point. And you made it, it's such a great case study. And I I don't talk politics and religion too much, but I've always, I've always been very intrigued with Chick-fil-A. I really have. I mean, I know a lot of people don't, don't hate them because of views and different things, you know, but man, like they're closed every Sunday, but they perform. I mean, they, it's like, it's. Top notch. I mean, you can't deny it. Like I know a lot of people in the you know the, the LBGQ community. Like, like don't tell anyone, but I'll, I'll go Chick Fil A every day, yeah. right? You know, like I'm not supposed to say this, you know, but you know, it's they do something right. It's crazy. And uh, a good friend of mine and, and a colleague, uh, Dave Pentegrass, a brilliant human being, great company that he does, and, and majority, and he's a he's a religious person, mm-hmm. and I don't care because I think he's an amazing human. But um, I've seen he works a lot with Chick Fil A. I've seen a lot of his his work and his 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 employees. He's on the recruiting side. You see the sheer enjoyment, empowerment from white, black, yellow, orange, male, female Chick Fil A employees. It's amazing. You, you can't fake that happening. You 24/7. cannot, brother. You cannot fake that twenty four seven. You can't. And th- these people are like, I love my job. I, I've seen them outside in the rain. Come on, being like, hey, how can we serve Come you? It's a pleasure. Tank is smiling. It's so happy. Like, are you, are you sure you're okay? No, this is great. You know what do I you go need? In, and the managers are in there doing the the the, the, the kitchen grill. And That's so, the biggest thing. The managers can put in work. Come on, man. Yeah, like to me, like I'll I'll support that. I I, I can't always agree with what they do. Mm-hmm. I I respect that. Um, and Texas to me. And some shit in Texas I don't get either, and I'm a I'm a I'm bleeding Texas. I still don't get it. You don't tell my old lady what to do with her body. You yeah. Just don't. That's just my my personal opinion. But um, you know they built some. They they built people that love what they they do. And for me, that's a company. That's cool. And then I may make me making this up, but I think if you want to get a franchise, it only costs like ten thousand dollars. It's insane. And, and they loan it to you like a like a one percent interest the rate. Stupidest shit I've ever heard. You do like Subway, it's like two million bucks yeah. and blah blah blah, and it's it's garbage anyway. But then like because we were franchising our our one of our other companies. It's insane, and and I'm telling you the empowerment that these people have. It's it's uh, the only one I've I've actually kind of had a good friend, and he was at Costco. Yeah, Costco was a good one too. And he was he was head over heels for Costco, brother. He was just he, and I'm like, he's got the red vest, and he's at the cashier stand. I'm like, be you good? And he he was just a pig and shit. Yeah. He was so happy, and I'm like, how long ago Costco? But then like you know you do you do the guy Raz thing. You go mm-hmm. listen to guy Raz, and this is what Mary Kay and I the zebra companies. Mm-hmm. Dan Price of, uh, I don't know if you know. Of, um, Gravity. Come on, man. Yeah. Cool. Um, the other person, Otterbox. You ever heard of Otterbox's yeah. story? Yeah. This motherfucker, he goes, every, every year, he's like, I'll pay you a full year salary to leave if this is not what you thought it would be. And they're like, no, I'd never leave. I love it. Yeah. That's, come on. Come on. Did we overpromise and under, no, I'm an Otter, like, Otterbox of all places. Yeah. Yeah, he's worth a couple billion dollars. 
it's cool. And I was Chick Fil A. If, if ever if Kennedy Central makes any higher customer service people, I'm going Chick Fil A. I'm telling you, man. I'm going, going Chick Fil A and Starbucks. I'm telling those you, those two places. What are you doing? You working part time college? Is full time gig? You know. But 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 gravity payments had the same thing for a, uh, an age for a um, customer success. So a customer support person, they put up a customer support job. Eight hundred and seventy people apply. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Eight hundred and seventy two fucking people. You're doing something right for customer service to get 872 applications. That's cool. That's cool. And that's a business that's sustainable, even do downturns through. Oh, yeah. Those are those ones. And like, if you want to talk about startup, uh, I was lucky enough to work with a company and, and we had a team, only about 11 of us. Um, when our, our founder, he, uh, he he just wasn't running it right. And we were going to miss payroll. And, and all 11 were like, it's cool. Yeah. Get us next time. I know the same thing happened with Grab Damn Price. The COVID first hit. All the employees, I think like 95% of them took a, took a volunteer, took a pay cut. They, Come they, on. He didn't have to ask. He just, they came to him, hey, we're taking out your role. We need to cut this money out. You know, Come we'll on. Do, you know. Come on. And you know he made them whole 10 times over. Oh, yeah. After. Oh, yeah. It's not fucking complicated, Jay. No. It's not. You know it's not. So that's why, like, all this bull. And I think what happened when I came up here, eh, I still had that old school mentality. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's hard. And I've had to force it. Here, I'll be really honest. I've had a fortune. I'm lucky again. I, I keep pontificating about her. Uh, sorry to the wife, um, Mary Kay. She, 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 she's good people, man. She doesn't budge. She, she, she knows who she is, and she knows who she doesn't care about. Yeah, I would say like, no, no. People, your best resource. Take your people. However, comma, some people do suck. Yeah, I, I think the problem is a lot of. Just, People, bosses, they took too long to get rid of those people that suck, right? And my thing is, like, if you came to mind to fire someone, everyone in the company already knows they should be gone, right? And so they see the people getting away with bullshit, they're not doing right, and they you know, tend to do the same thing, right? So, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I, I actually, actually, I probably shouldn't say this out loud. Like, I do respect him. I, I watch him on stage. Uh, Gary V, mm -hmm. fire fast. Yeah. Just fire fast. He already knows. Don't make it three years. Don't make it yeah, three he, months. He's talking about in the pocket about how he made mistakes before, trying to be empathetic. You know, what do you need? Can I help you out? And just everyone sees it like this person brings no value, right? And everyone sees this stuff you get. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now, but, it, but it's hard, right? No one wants to be the bad person, right? And there's always like, oh, it's his birthday. Christmas coming up. There's always going to be something. The baseball game, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, his you know. pinky hurts. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's 65 degrees today, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's raining. We can't, we can't fire him today. Yeah, but no, it's, that's why you're paid to be a boss, right? Yeah, man, and that's why you have the big X on your back. And I, I don't, I, I, I've been lucky enough to see so many different styles of leadership and 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 pull pull the best and and, and understand the worst. To be honest, and I, I think it's a really interesting paradigm. But what fucks what's fucked up now is we want to talk about leadership. Where are we all trying to get our leadership from? And we're we're not seeing it. Our, what, whatever leadership is going on right now is just kind of a rounding error. And I, I'm, again, I'm not talking politics or anything like that. Just in general, like, we're a dumpster fire. So we if are. that's something where you're, like, questioning, like, well, that's supposed to be this pseudo leadership. Who am I then to start my own type of leadership? So I think it's getting people very agnostic and getting people to do whatever they think they can to make it work, which I respect. I have to understand that model. Um if you, you know, in Texas, all places doing it the wrong way. But if, if you shut down, I understand the greater good. But if you shut down somebody's business, oops, sorry, shut down somebody's business for a, a period of time due to X, Y, and Z, you should have a fucking consti you know, constituency or a, a, a plan. You need to have a plan in place. You have to have a plan in place, a contingency plan in place for when you shut people down. You don't just say, hey, I'm going to shut you down I'm a, and we'll figure it out. And you're yeah. going to figure it out.
I mean, I heard some crazy shit. I heard some crazy, and I'm sure you had too, but, you know, people, just people kind of really getting the short end of the stick. And I and I can, so I can understand the frustration. I really, really can. I can't agree to it and I can't condone it, but I can understand it. So, two things. First thing, just a comment. So, I don't like to talk about policy. No, that's fine. I didn't want to that No, but one thing is like, you know, we, as a country, we have to do better. And instead of 2024, it's going to be Biden Trump again. Like, as a country, come on, man. Like, we have to do fucking better. It's going to be painful. Than Biden Trump. Like, it's going to be are, are you painful, kidding me? Like, before there was Trump, Hillary Clinton. Like, we have to do better. There has to be someone out there we don't know about. It's going to be Like, some pain. kind of, like, you know, JFK, yeah. Ronald Reagan type, you know, yeah. charismatic leader who, like, is hopefully under 60 years old, right? It's going to be painful. We, we can't have Biden Trump again. I it's going to be painful. It, 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 cannot, it cannot happen, right? And, and like, brother, I'm from te- like I'm a Texan. I'm like a quintessential, like quintessential, quintessential. Like I'm a Texan before I'm an American. Don't say that in public. I'm the same way. I'm a same Texan way. before Texan, I'm an American. I'm American, sorry, yeah. I am. I'm still like, what the fuck are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? And you, you, you're my people. You're my people. What the fuck are we doing? So it's hard. It's really, really hard. And and I own guns. I I mean, that's me as a person. And it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard. And I'm. A, Middle Easterner, like that doesn't help either. <laughs> you know, let's let's be really real. It's, um, as you know, uh, we uh, my, my my wife, she's Asian, and uh, we got my son and I were in a car. Uh, sorry, Seth, you don't know this. Uh, we got pulled up, we got cut off by somebody, and they got out and were yelling at my son. And yeah, kid's fucking six. Mm. He's six, just because he's Asian. Really. You don't know me, man. Let's just like get in your car. But then he started talking about um, what car I was driving versus what car he was driving and how he's just the worst. I was like, so I hear all this just this vitriol and this espouse from his mouth. And, and it was just the most arbitrary, random shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, man, you OK? Like, it was not about me or yeah. my son. It wasn't. Yeah, something else going on. So we sat down on a curb for 30 minutes and just talked. Yeah. He was like, man, I'm not. And I was like, okay, dude. We still text now. Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I think, unfortunately for me, I mean, I go from zero to 100 real quick. And I try not to. Um, I think we're all just in that space right now. I've never seen it more bi- bipolar, to yeah. be honest. To be straight up honest. I've never seen it more bipolar. And I don't know what your experience was, but back home, shit, man, I had the most ghetto-ass dudes and the most country-ass dudes. And we were thick. Yep. We were thick. Yeah. We were thick. Exactly. We were so thick like what what yeah so it's been a transition this is crazy times right it is and you know back home as i'm sure you know like if we don't like you we're gonna stab you in the face mm-hmm. here it's or like in places now it's like oh behind your back like no yeah. just tell me just tell yeah. me it's okay it's okay we'll be better off just understanding who we are and where it comes from i think there's so much going on i mean with these exigent circumstances that are so reactive it's like where is it stemming from like, truly, why are you so upset? What are you scared about? What's going on? Um, I watched a really, really, really interesting documentary about um, just African-American heritage and all the pain. And it's like, and it really ended with this young lady being like, you're lucky that we don't want revenge. We just want, like, equality. And I'm like, damn. Like, that hit. Yeah. Yeah, it hit, dude. So, oh, there's a key on that. On the key yeah. to what? The city? <laughs> yeah, so with this, I guess, back in the day, she came up. It was like there's like there's five keys to interest or something, right? So there gets the key. It's the stories. The stories on the bottle. That's cool. Maybe a speakeasy or some shit. Yeah, yeah. So next um, on your LinkedIn profile, you did something that says like just ship it. Talk about just shipping it, and like everyone's like, oh, my baby's not perfectly perfect, you know. Never will be, dude. Yeah, never will be. 
Uh, yeah. Let's break it. I have a friend. I have an amazing, amazing friend, and I haven't talked to her in maybe three or four years. And she always just told me, what are you doing, Joe? What are you doing, Joe? Just throw the hat. Throw it over the fence. We'll figure out how to get it. Just act. Make action. So, you know, you're going to sit in this analysis paralysis. We'll be analytic. We're our biggest critics. We, we hate, you know, we're, we'll, we'll poke as many holes. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Who's going to judge me? And it goes back to that whole ego thing. And it goes back to that imposter syndrome. And it goes back to just not letting others get in front of your way. And, and shipping it to me and that action and getting off that X of thought process is just the best way to do it. Because you're never going to just be perfect from day one. And so we shipped something. Um, and it wasn't, definitely wasn't good. It wasn't what I wanted. Didn't look optically the way. And all the accoutrement could have been much better. And the actual engagement was in the 90 percentile. So we're like, okay. Enough. Just enough. If, if, if the content and the value is there, it doesn't matter what bow is wrapped on it. So I'm a big, big, big believer in just just put something out there and push and iterate and push and iterate and push and iterate. Or else you sit, you sit in this analysis paralysis. Mm. And we all know, hey, cool, cheesecake menu, 47 pages later. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or just have some fucking chicken or have some steak and see which one you like. Yeah. That's it. So... We try and keep we keep it simple. So I was really lucky that I, I I got my old man. My old man, he's shrewd as fuck, and and he's a physician. He's world renowned, but he's he's a businessman at heart, and he's always just like just act, just go, just go. So so talk about your favorite background more. Cause like everyone's a physician. You have two master's degree. You was in medical school for a while. Like y'all, like y'all, y'all, y'all some big brain jokers in your in your family, right? Like you're you know like y'all y'all do some big things. That how was that growing up? You know, having all those role models like oh, that no, was a dumpster fire. It was almost like, hey, you have no chance. You have no choice but to be successful. Because they want to successful. Where do you want this to go? Where do you want to take it? So, older brother, older sister, mom, and a dad, and there was another one. Um, and you, you grew up in Houston, right? Yeah. Okay. So medical center, right off the boat though. We we fled a war. My parents fled a war. So so what country in the Middle East are you from? Lebanon. Lebanon. Okay. Yeah. So Muslim Christian war. 36 years, really bad. 3,000 mortars over my dad's head, finishing up his career in medical school, like literally under a desk. Um, came straight to Brooklyn with $432 in his pocket. Just a quintessential immigrant bullshit story. And I love it, you know, walking through snow with luck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Walking 10 miles with no feet. No feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you must know my dad really well, man. You must know my dad really well. So he comes in, he, he does his thing, and then and he we can we can go to those stories. But uh, moved to Houston. Um, older sister was a was the prodigy. She well no she wasn't. She was the first kid of of, of the immigrant family. So it was basically like uh, she worked her fingers to the bone. She did everything she could. The, the Duke, you know, the brilliant, hardworking daughter, um, valedictorian of her class. Blah blah blah. And my brother came along, and he was a savant. He's a Doogie Hauser, MD PhD kid, just fucking brilliant. Um, super douche though. Like he has no no people skills. Wow. Hey Kareem, his name's Kareem. Hey Kareem, what's the hardest part of your day? Uh, you know, going throughout the day without insulting people. I'm like, dude, you like so, so basically, your brother was Sheldon Cooper. It was so. My, oh my god. And then some. <laughs> and then some. He was Sheldon. Oh my god. And then some. So and then it came to me, and they're like, all right, well, you know, Raj, you two siblings are smart. Like, what the fuck are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. So. um by the skin of my teeth, I matriculated into school because of the last name, to be honest. 
did, I knew what I wanted to do, and it wasn't it wasn't that, but I basically had to do it to make my parents happy. Typical Middle Eastern story. Um, so at this point, we're in Houston. Parents were running hospital systems. Brothers and sisters were in hospital systems, and I was here like, yeah, you know, I played college sports, and like I kind of do things and stuff, and it's fun. Yay. <laughs> um, because I was never the academic, and I leaned into not being the academic. And I was the I was the... They always say, who's the black sheep? I mean, I was oil. I was oil spill dark. Like, I was the worst of the worst of the worst. Because my brother and I were Irish twins. 11 months apart. And it got to the point where my mom's was, fuck this, I'm so tired. I'm just, like, so tired. I went to school in a cab. Like, that was literally what, what we did. And I kind of got lost in the wayside. And my identity didn't come through academics. It came to sports. Mm. So that was what I leaned into. And that's where I found my belonging, um, to be really honest. And not super close with anyone in our family. We, we all love each other. We respect each other. They all live here. Really? Like a block away at Swedish and, and, and Fred Hutch and stuff. And I just, we don't really keep up too much. We respect each other. Mm-hmm. We all have our own families. But um, it's half, 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 I find like most families do it. Like, you know, they grow up close and they like go different places and just friends come up. It's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, though. I think all families are like that. And every family, like, everyone knows my families are crazy. No, you know, it's not. Isn't that hilarious? My families are crazy. No, you know, my family was crazy. Like, yeah, no, we have the same like, uncle like, Ernie you do too. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. So we got to the point where it was just like, okay, who can trump who? And eh, no pun intended. And then we, we, we're close enough. Mm. We're close enough. It's been a, I'll be honest, we, we, coming off the boat, they put a lot of focus on certain things that I don't have as much of a focus on. Hey, I didn't go, I don't have a lot of student debt, so I'm privileged in that respect. I got a college scholarship, which was great, but if I didn't get one, I could have still, they would have helped. So there was definitely an opportunity cost, um, but I'll tell you right right now, in, in and maybe it's like that pendulum that has one extreme and then goes to the extreme. My, my pendulum is here. It might be over here. Uh, we don't, uh, my, my better hat, we don't have a nanny. We have two kids, we don't have a nanny, so we, we, take our kids to school, pick them up from school. We're done at work. When it's school's done, we're trying to be present. We're really, 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 and it, and it might shoot us in the foot in the in the future, but for right now, it's what we want to do. And how old are your kids? I think I have two at this point. Uh, six and three. Six and three, yeah. To me, six is a perfect age because they're kind of independent, you know, they really don't need you, you know, they can get dressed themselves, you know, but they still look up to you. Like it's they so still cool. admire you, right? It's so cool. What about you? Uh, my, mine are all grown. My my oldest is like 32, 33. Then 26 or 27, 24, they're, they're all grown, yeah. Our six-year-old, he's, brother, he's exactly that. He's getting into his own. He's having a voice. He's having a comp. Actually, our three-year-old is too. I'm like, where the fuck you come from? Our boy, he's a, he's moving. He's shaking. He's putting his, he, exactly. He's getting a little pers- bit more. You see his personality coming what? out. He's got some jokes. I'm like, okay, little kid, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, all right? He's starting to smell. It's like, oh, he's like a, a thing. He's yeah. not just this blob of yeah. amorphousness. He's like a, he's a kid. It's cool. It's really cool. And he's, he's a good kid. So he's got his consciousness. Mm. And I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? But <laughs> he knows it. He's getting empowerment. He's getting right and wrong. He's getting protection for others. Mm. He's, he's kind of getting the bigger picture stuff. That's good. It is. It's weird. It's really weird. But, um, and then you want to nurture that. You don't know how to. You don't know yeah. how to like really lean into it. And and you don't want to fuck it up. You don't want to derail it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to add to it. You want to have his own voice. Because there's no man to be a parent. Everyone's just figuring this shit out. Everyone is I'm figuring it out. I'm telling you right now. Everyone's man. trying to figure this shit out. No one's the perfect parent, you know. I went as far as Neil deGrasse, as weird as this sounds. Like this motherfucker, like super nerd people will say, but like he's just a bro. He was talking yeah. about his kids and he's like, he got so mad at an, a family and a parent like telling the little kids 
uh, he watched this maybe four or five year old run up to this big puddle of water and he's like, oh, he like, you could see the excitement in his eyes. Like, yeah. oh, water displacement. But then the parents stopped the kid and he's like, no, let yeah. the kid get. I, I remember seeing that, yeah. Yeah, let them get yeah. the consequences. Yeah. So, you know, you want to get them the consequences safely. Yeah. But shit, dude, I get it. My, my thing has always been like, my, my parents got when my kids were younger, like, pull down a friend, right? I put them in the swing, go higher. I put them, go higher as high as they want. Now, when they fall out the swing, eventually you yeah. pick them up, wipe them off. You good? Okay, get back on the swing, right? Yeah. But you have to learn lesson long. Another thing too, I think a lot of people get wrong. Like, to me, once your kid is thirteen, that's them, right? There's no if you don't you don't have the like the morality, integrity, what you want to call it. Interesting. What type of person you want by thirteen? Because then the peer pressure takes over. Yeah. The different outside influences that would hang out with you. To me, it's thirteen, right? It's always been me thirteen. And I think that's why we've leaned so much into these early formative years. Mm-hmm. We're just like. When you get to this autonomous zone where you're going to get, you know, armpit hair and all your little shithead friends telling you what to do, light some shit on fire, we won't be there. Like, our thought process is done. Yeah. It's on you now. Here's one for you. I'll tell you, tell me my answer. So, the question to you is, what makes a successful parent? And this is my answer. Most people say, you know, I'm a successful if my kid goes to law school, doctor school, makes millions of dollars, married, does, does something like really nice. To me, my thing is like, it's pretty simple. If your kids are contributing to society, basically have a job and paying taxes, you've done your job. If they're taking race aside, like they're robbing people, they're on war for all their life, then you haven't done your job. To me, uh, my litmus test was, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the king passes when he knows his the prince can be a king. So when I know when my son is ready to be a responsible person, more importantly, I, I think success, to be completely honest, is just to be a good person. Yeah. So empathy, understanding. I don't give a shit if he never makes a penny, if he loves what he does and he works hard. Because you work hard if you believe in what you're doing, which means he has a moral code or, or something that's driving him in a passion. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'm, I'm jaded. I'll be very honest. I'm jaded. And maybe the context will help. I didn't see my parents growing up. I just didn't. That, that was status quo. Neither did my siblings. We just didn't see them. 10 o'clock is when they came home falling asleep on the couch. Okay, cool. Why? So you can have homes in 10 different countries and never fucking step foot on them? I'm good. And, and I, I respect them for everything they did. They didn't have parents. My parents both lost their parents in the war. Uh, my dad was three when he lost his parents. My mom was like five. Their siblings raised them. They had no idea. Um, I have so many tattoos because I, start, I, I started self-cut when I was 10 for a long time, for about six full years, really, really bad. And I transitioned and covered them all up with tattoos because I was more socially acceptable. Mm. But I remember going hat in hand to my family, being like, hey, like this is what's going on, and nothing came from it. Not to fault them, because they obviously didn't know what to do, but I think it's a really, really, really important imperative for me. And again, my pendulum might have been here, needs to come back here. Um, to me, if my son can speak, or I apologize, if my child, daughter, son, can speak to what here and here mm-hmm. in a safe but true place, I'll be really happy. I'll be really honest. That's what's going to make me happy. Because then we can have a conversation with them. Right, wrong, or different, they won't be alone. And I was alone for way too long. Mm-hmm. And it just did some some detrimental stuff to me, which then was detrimental to some relationships. Um, even at 38, I'm like, 37. Even at 37, I'm like, um, it's sad. I still like in my, the back of my head, subconsciously, not out loud, be like the die is cast mm-hmm. with my, my family. And I don't think that's right. I don't think it has to be, but that's why. You make a good point. Like, like so many people out there, you know, like they grew up in like a single parent home, like no father, right? They get married 
and they have sons, right? And they're like, they have no idea how to be a father, right? Because no one's so them, right? So like, am I doing the right thing? Am I messing this up? You know, and, and then they, you know, they, maybe they do things wrong. And even then, if you do have a father, maybe your father taught you the wrong thing, way to do things, you know? Yeah. And, you know, you know, back in my day, you know, kids just get beat the hell out, right? Yeah. You, you got beat. Now, shit, no one's beating their kids no nope. more, right? It's, it's, it's you know, nope. it, no, that's not happening, right? So times change, d- different standards change it too, I think, you know? Yeah. It sucks too, because like, and again, we don't have to get into it because we don't need to. But I, we could talk about gun control and stuff, and, and when it comes to just talking to your fucking kids, just fucking talking to your kids, and then being vulnerable yourself. There was a big, so this was actually a big thing for me. There was a huge transition with my own. So I had a big black mark on one of my companies. My old man had a big black mark on one of his companies, and he got stuck in the middle of a really shitty spot. And it wasn't on him, but he was stuck, uh, CEO of two hospital systems, and. They basically were like, they, there was an, it was a divorce. It was a divorce of hospital systems and he was a cot on both sides. And he's like, I still don't, I don't resent him, but like he, we never talked about it mm-hmm. for two years. He went through and and, I, and and this is when I was in my, I was a grown ass man. I was in my twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. I said, pops, like you're not alone. I'm not your son. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I'm your son, but I'm not a child. Yeah. He never gave me that like vulnerability. And I get it. Cause he never had that. So again, I, I might be doing it the wrong way and it coming from a PTSD from before, but I, I think if I can, I just find some of the pitfalls that have, have put me where I am and I'm trying just to, to mitigate them if possible. And so that's that challenge I have as a father, right? So me, my kids are all grown, daughter married, I have a grandchild, you know, kids grown, they're doing their own thing. Totally. But to me, they're always like being eight, nine, ten, right? And I know it's, I shouldn't think that, but it's you know, it's like, and I like, and, and like whenever like cut that shit out, Jason. And they're and, like, and they're like so independent, right? Like so independent, right? And I always like feel left out, right? Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. I'm good. You need some help with this? No, I'm good. And like, it hurts, right? But then again, it's like, then my wife said, well, no, that says you did your job, right? But then it's like, it's just hard, right? Because you want to be like, you know, the, you know, the super dad come depend on me, you know, but then it's like, yeah. But did you ever go through something that you didn't want to tell your kids about? Oh, yeah. And that, I think that one got yeah. to me. I'm like, yeah. hey, pops, like, I'm not your, I, I know I'm your kid. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. Have some respect for me to know that I can maybe help in this situation. Yeah. It was actually really cool. I had a uh, my other mentor. So I have two two guys I just lean into so much. Try this one next. Yes, sir. And after you do this oh, one, we're gonna, after you do this one, we're going to do a have you do a review of all of them. And then done. Um, I look at him as a mentor, and 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 I was talking about I was he has an EA, and so I sent an email to his EA about some stuff, and he goes, "Hey, man, like." He texted me. He goes, "You don't have to send this to my EA." I was like, "Oh, I mean, that's the problem." I was like, uh, "I talked to him about the relationship with my dad and how I kind of see the relationship with him." And he, he, like, he stopped me in my tracks. He goes, "Hey, listen, like, I, I need to talk to you about something." I was like, "Yeah, of course." He's like, "This isn't a like, I don't know what the fuck you do. This isn't a paternal relationship. It's not." He's like, "I lean. I talk to you. I get value from you, like mentor, mentee, whatever the fuck you want to think it is. This is not a paternal like, you know." And it was really cool for him to say like. No, 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 no. I value the things that you're saying as well. So I think when people get that, oh, Pan-Africa, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, this one right here. Oh, that's a really cool one, man. Yeah. So this one is, is Italy. I'm from Italy, and this is a town my oh, family the came from. Yeah, this is my family came from. Colombo. So I have a, yeah, yeah, I have yeah, an yeah. aunt that I traced our family history back to the year 1100 to a count of so Gallo cool. something in Italy. Yeah. But what would like the MC Escher, di- like the diagram under? This one. Yeah. So talking about Meyer Briggs, I'm on FJ. So I Google INFJ image and this came up. It's actually like some kind of Hindu Buddha symbol though, That's you know. Super cool. Yeah. Then the yin yang stuff, yeah. It's great, man. I love all yeah. of them. What about the is that a Zodiac? Yeah, a, a Sagittarius. Cool. Yeah. Then um, you know, 
I'm Catholic, so no, up down South Cross for yep. St. Peter. St. Peter. Blue Bonnet for Texas. Texas. Republic for yeah. Texas. You know, my grandson's Alamo. name. Right? My grandson's name here. Suicide. To come take it. So this one is uh, from Gonzales, Texas. Yeah. And so the stories, if you don't know, when uh, the Texas War for Independence started, the Mexicans. Mexican government had given Texas a can to protect himself. Indians, when war started, they came to get the, get the can, and, and the people in Gaza said, don't come and take it, right? Yeah. All these flags. And you see all the there flags. Was only one, and there was only one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the commas, the semicolon. Uh, is this like, a, like mental health awareness, depression, yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. At the same one. Yeah. And this one, talk about Neil, um, I, can't, I can't even say his name right, the Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like everything in our body, same thing as stars. So, so this is a I am star stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah, different things like that. That might and I have like a, a grandmother's name here. Um, man, so I, I just then um, here, run through it, dude. Run through it. Yeah. So here is um, on one side it says um, in Italian, uh, remember to live, the best you know, live your life. Yep. Another one here is it's kind of dark, but it's it's to me it's good. Like it says um, if I die, I die. I mean like you know I've lived my life, I've lived a great life, you know. So I've lived to, to all I could. I got a Johnny Cash. God's gonna cut you down, like my. So June, so my old lady and I, it's, uh, if I was a carpenter by June mm -hmm. and so John, like, and I, you know, we, we, my dad, <laughs> God bless him, man. He's just, he's this little midget Lebanese dude. He's yeah. just a midget Lebanese dude with a quintessential mustache of an immigrant. <laughs> you got to respect this man. And, uh, he, he, he worked his fucking fingers to the bone and I, we, he learned English with Johnny Cash. Oh wow! So we Nat King Cole and, Christmas. And, and like you said, you asked me, what, "Have I done things my kids don't know about?" I'm sure your dad went through things he never told you about. You know, he did. He did, and that's life. That's life. That, that really what is. What if he didn't do your parents see you for success? Right? You know. Yeah. Listen, we weren't beat. We weren't. We had a shelter. We we were so fucking privileged. It's insane. It was. So he did. He this man. He 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 one of fourteen. There's only eight left. They all died in the war. He fled in the middle of the night. He had to fake his name. He has three birthdays. He came with I mean the four hundred eighty two dollars in his pocket. He was in Brooklyn, New York, and they said it's seventeen bucks for the night, you know, plus tax. So it's you know eighteen thirty. No, no, fuck you, fuck you. No, no, you're not gonna take advantage of me. You said seventeen. You said he goes, sir, it's called tax. He's like, no, 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 no. You said seventeen. He's like. Yes, but it's called taxic. No, 17. I'm not, I'm no immigrant. No, 17. Okay, okay, sir. Just, he's just 17. Yeah. I mean, anytime immigrants start, like, people come over from the Vietnam War, you know, come from Afghanistan. I mean, the immigrant story, like, I never liked, to me, like, people say, no, cut down immigrants. Like, why? It brings so much, like, perspective, it's like, the, the hunger, you know, it's the stuff that the, they do, people do, right? Like, now, I, I understand being scared. Mm -hmm. That I understand because. I, I see it. I, I totally understand, you know, people coming in and, and doing things we don't want to do. I, I, I get all this fucking paradigm. But, um, you know, the reality of the situation is, too, is, is people are people. Yeah. We're just human beings. They want us to do better than other people, right? Come on, man. We, but, we, unfortunately, there's always like one out of 1,000 people like going to start taking advantage of you. There's not Nigerian princes out there, you know, <laughs> like, so you got you know, you to be aware. You can't be naive, you know. And, and like you know what really really got I mean again I don't speak to anything but like and Uvalde like he he didn't he really didn't just the whole thing fucking sucks and this is where we are this is where the fuck we are it does well, we could be better yeah and, be and other people say like war's getting worse I don't think it is I think I think the same thing going on has always been going on right it's just that we know about it instantly so what happened I think in our last again whatever you want to call it, our last administration like. 
it just came to like, like the masks were taken off. I don't think it was like, this is new. I think it's like, oh, now we all see what's going on. So it's been, um, again, right, wrong, or indifferent. I think we're just in a very different space. And I just hope we can, you know, figure it all back out. Here's one for you. So we're talking about no business during COVID. So this is my theory, right? So a lot of businesses closed down to COVID, right? My theory is like mostly like 90% of businesses that closed down, they would have closed down anyway, but maybe three or four or five years from now. Yeah. You know, because COVID has accelerated their failure process. I 100% agree. I think what also sucks too is this is this is what kind of history does. Um, Katrina, when I was in New Orleans, like there was a paradigm that they wanted to shift out because they weren't, they were on their last leg and that's what was going on. So I think COVID, COVID actually made the startups, the right startups be the right startup. Yeah, I agree. It, it did. So like in our company, we, we mushroomed massively during I COVID. I mean, COVID was bad. People died. That's a very bad thing. But I know a lot of people like, you know, like, like for example, I mean, I know Zoom will never admit this, but yeah. for Zoom, shit, you can't tell me don't say in, in the eternal circles, COVID was a blessing. Yeah. No, I, I think, when I, I, and I think philosophically then, like, I'm not sure, it's funny, I don't think we're going to go back. I really just don't. I don't, why we should. But I think it's important to understand, again, COVID, right, wrong, or indifferent, it definitely showed the true colors of what a legitimate business is. And this is kind of going back to that funding we keep talking about. You can have a great story, and stories get to certain points when times are good. When reality hits the road, and 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 that's just, and and again, my old man always told me, you know, find a need, fill a need. Don't make some some fluffy bullshit. Fluffy bullshit is great, but fluffy bullshit when shit gets south, the first thing to go is your gym membership and your haircuts. Yeah. So don't be a gym membership and a haircut. Like be a value add that people want. Be the pain pill, not the vitamin. And it's hard to tell people. I, uh, a perfect example, again, I was asked to invest in and be an ad board for a company, which I, I respected. I, it was more of like a frill. It was like a dating thing. And I was like, great. And I think it could make money. And But I couldn't understand the true value at. So I'm sure at this point, after two years, and especially with COVID, it's not around anymore. And you got to be innovative, right? Like some, I think some yeah. of the first ones about business did the same thing. Where so many restaurants, you know, like they they deliver drinks, deliver food, yeah. you know, they stood outside, they you know did whatever they had to do. Yeah. So yeah, and that's what what I think is that's a real not pivot, but a real ability to be a company is to have adaptability and flexibility. You're not wed to one thing. You're not this. You're not this. And that's why we did so well in our company. It was like we had an idea, but when when. It's funny, like I have a hypothesis in life. When I was in economics, I had a hypothesis on my economics. But when facts change, like true facts, mm. hey, this policies has changed, this is closing, this is done, this is up, this is down. I didn't stick to some bullshit narrative mm. that didn't adjust with the facts. Mm. But again, you go back to the false narrative, you go back to this, this imposter syndrome, the ego. And if you're built on an imposter syndrome and an ego that's more like sand, not a foundation, you can't pivot because your sand can't pivot. Yeah. You know, so a lot of the people who are like, oh, we have this great idea for blah, 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 blah. It's more just like a story. The idea wasn't actually baked out. Yeah. I think also, and if I'm, I'm being very, very upfront, I think there's there needs to be more people being like, no, just no. Like not founders institute but just some groups like again i have this 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 person right here and they're they're looking to they're going to raise some funds and, and do this mvp they have no idea about what the constituency what their their target market is they have no idea about anything and at this point i'm like i almost 
what do I do? Like, do I actually reach out to the group that they're with? They're like, you need to, you need to talk to these people because they're just going to be, they're, you're not setting them for, up for success, which is a hard conversation to have, yeah. but the right one to have. You don't want to kill anyone's dream or nothing like that. You know, you want to have them keep the fire, but still you got to be realistic, right? I mean, like you do. And, then, and what will kill the dream is if they raise that money and do what they want and nothing comes from it. And then they're just like, holy shit. Or worse, they try to raise money and other investors say no and they get a bad reputation, you know? Totally. And they go raise again for the same thing. Like, no, we already said no once. Yeah. And and that's why I think um, I, I think raising money is such a weird paradigm. I have I have yet to raise any money for much. Uh, so my hedge fund, you know, we I raised about a, a, a hundred eighty million, but that was just for like to get the assets in. Uh, we re- no, we used two hundred seventy million for all four funds. But on the let me organically grow it. On I have I like for my first startup, I didn't raise any money. My second startup, I haven't raised any money. And this the SaaS solution, I still haven't raised any money because I want to prove it. I really, really, really want to prove it, and then we'll only scale what we've proved. So that's the best way to do it. So next, do like a deep dive on mental health and healthcare reform. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, so I'm a massive, massive proponent of mental health. Um, I was on SSRIs, and I still am, for 17 years. I went to a therapist every week for 11 years. I went into the Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas for 34 days, which is an inpatient mental health clinic because I had a mental health relapse. Um, I think mental health is, is, is a real, real issue, and mental health reform is as low on the totem pole as it comes, which is really frustrating, but I understand, and I'm extremely happy with Mark Cuban right now. I'm extremely happy with the medical... What did Mark Cuban do? So Mark Cuban did a online pharmacy, but for cost. He didn't bullshit. He did, you, it doesn't take insurance because with insurance, you have to negotiate you know, with those providers. So Mark Cuban did an online pharmacy, and I actually personally went on there to look at my SSRIs, which are the, the serotonin reuptake inhibitors for my depression and, and, and mental health. Um, and I'm really, I'm really impressed that it's being embraced on a bigger level. I think cognitive function. I, I, I think people don't understand that we're so we're so we manifest our, our mental cognitive functions so much into the physical side and and I take the predicate approach of, of it's a holistic approach, mental, physical, and wellness. It, it goes together, no question. So I think mental health is a massive problem right now. It's a it's a it's more of a pandemic than most people think, and mental health reform is something that is so far low on the totem pole. I hope somebody can drag it into the feud. And I the the problem too is it's been bastardized over the past two years with COVID because I'm not sure if you saw a lot of these guys in the in the billions of valuation that do mental health um, telemedicine now mm-hmm. have been just been prescribing opiates and, and stuff like that. That was bad in the army. In, just, in the military, like the VA, like here's some oxycotin, here's some there, sieves that, you know. And then to me it was even worse than that. Or, okay, you give like you gave me like ten pills a day to take, right? Was well, it worse? Like they they said, go cold turkey. Yeah. So like just like that. Yeah. No more pills. Like, yeah, are, are you kidding me? Right. Like, it, it, and then what are they gonna do? They gonna go to the black market? Of course they are. In the street, you know. Of course they are. Is this is? Do you fault them? No. A oh, fuck no. No. I fault the VA, yeah. and I don't fault the VA. Of course, I don't fault them. I, you know, just the whole thing, and it's pretty impressive because they had a panacea in their head. Mm-hmm. For X amount of years, and all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh no, that pen! Oh no, we're going to take that back." You're like, "Wait, yeah. hold on, what?" And, and things like the VA gets a bad rip, but things like 
Like I go to the VA down American Lake, nothing but great experiences, right? Yeah, the American Lake. Man. American Lake, man, to me, the top notch <sighs> stories like on time. They are. But I hear stories from my peers at different places. Like, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? Like, is this ridiculous, right? Is this the same VA? So the Seattle VA, I had a guy 18 months before he got an appointment. Yeah. And he killed himself. And I'm not going to put that on them, but I'm going to put that on them. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm not. I don't mince months, my words. Like, 18 fucking months for one for one psyche eval? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, yeah, but it's not lucrative. Yeah. It's not a hip replacement in the OR. It's not a this. It's yeah. not a this. And I get it. I, 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 I get it. So you have to think, how does pharma get in here? How does everybody come to the table to eat together? Mm -hmm. How can we make everybody kumbaya just to help? Yeah. Just to help for the love of anything. And that's why, and when I hate it, I love philanthropic capitalism. I love the billionaires like the Mark Cubans who mm -hmm. actually give a fuck. And it's funny you uh, talked about um, Enron. Yeah. <laughs> My good friend John Arnold, he, he, he sent Taurus Energy after Enron and he made 840 million bucks at Enron. But now he's fighting mental health. Mm -hmm. And, and pension problems and, and stuff like that. And uh, my co-founder, you know, a friend of mine, he's working with him. It's like, it's a funny thing. It's like um, almost a private, the privatized fight against this public problem. Yeah, I know like the, I, I, so I think it's things called Gener Generation Z. I already get the, the names messed up. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what generation we're on yeah, at this Generation point. Z, like, you know, a lot of people get them grief for stuff, you know, they, you know, they eat Tide Pods, all this crazy shit. But my yeah. thing is like, I married them for the stand they take for mental health, right? Yeah. Like, they're like, I'm taking mental health today. Yeah. Oh, you fired me, right? And so I admire them for that, right? They're like, up front of depression. I have 100%. this type of thing. Because my generation, you when I say you fucking depressed, mm -mm. get this. Are you depressed? Tighten you, the fuck up. What are you depressed about? Dry your eyes. You, you, you want to really, really, you want to really be depressed? Yeah, you're fired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> want to be really depressed? You're fired. You Dry know? your eyes, man. No, and and, I, and again, I think that might then play into the whole modality of of, of us not having like a nanny or a third mm -hmm. party with our kid, because mm -hmm. I want to be like, hey, man, I know you're five moving on si or six, but like, you okay? Yeah. What's going on? Is there a problem? Use your words, and and yeah. and people might be like, oh, he saw. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Bitch, I have enough bullet holes and stab wounds in me right now. Like, if my son never has to deal with that, cool. Like, cool. Whatever it takes. Like, I, I think it's important for us, to, and not just my son, but, like, other people. Yeah. Just other people. So, I, like, it, it hit me again, too, because, like, I, I know moving into Seattle, we work a lot downtown. Um, it's changed. And it's hard for me to accept a lot of the changes that have happened over the past. I'm about how bad it is here. It's hard. You know, I'm gonna push back on that. Hit me. Uh, so, me and my friend. And I meant this in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and my family were Seattle in 2009, right? From our point of view, downtown Seattle has never been nice. It's just been different degrees of worse, right? Like, my aunt and uncle came to visit me in 2010, took him downtown, from a parking lot, two dudes don't fuck heroin deal, right? Mm -hmm. right? Like, what? You know, so to me, if it's my experience, it's never been a nice place, you know? It's always been like, like, I'm a couple years ago walking down the marketplace, this lady has an axe, tasting some other fucking axe. Yeah. Like, my, I had my nephew come visit me last summer for two weeks, and he said, Uncle Jason, is this like, uh, are they feeling like walking dead here? Like, what the hell's going on, right? And so, when has everyone nice? Like, when has it like, you know, yeah. like, I don't think it's ever nice. You know, it's always like protests, there's stuff going on. There's like, it's like, I don't, I don't know. No, but, I, and I agree with you, but like, I think like back home, like in Houston, like, 
There's a Houston food bank. There's a like they, like there are designated places to go deal with issues. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel here it's just a. I mean I was I was with. But they spent so much money here, like billions of dollars. And it's like it. worse. Like where's the money? It's like I don't uh, get it. What is like? I mean I'm, I I could be saying this wrong, but you know I'm sure these people like on these like you know nonprofits getting paid six figures, you know. But what? How do you prove you're solving the problem, right? Yeah. And, and 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 then too, like you know, Seattle's known like you know what's the nickname? You know, free Seattle. Do people come from like you know like Dallas, Texas to Seattle to get free services? You know, yeah. everyone's giving it to me. No, if that's true or not? I have no idea. I might be making that making that up. No, I, I mean I don't think you are. But I, I think just in general, though, it's just like I, I couldn't understand. I can't condone certain things and understand the policies behind them. When I when I see you know the most illicit illegal activities and and two police officers just walking by because yeah. they have no authority to do anything. Yeah, you can't blame them. Like, they can't chase no one. Like, well, they, and, and then if they do apprehend someone, they get in trouble. They'll probably get sued. They get in trouble. And you, it's like, like me, if I was a cop, I'd be looking, if I said police, I'd be looking. So some of you people like trying to get, get you know, you would. No, I get And then like, and you see all these monikers for like ACAB, which is like all cops are bastards. I'm mm-hmm. like, listen, I don't agree with a lot of stuff, but like, all anything is the stupidest shit I've ever yeah. heard. That's a good post you don't look at too, where it says, I'm very afraid, like, all black people aren't good, all black people ain't bad. This is all, stupid you know, just, yeah. Like, like, all I, I anything is just I know some good cops, you know. Are you kidding me? Are you, I know some bad cops. Yeah. I know some amazing cops. I know some bad brown people. I know mm-hmm. some amazing brown people. I know some bad yellow people. I know some yep. amazing yellow people. Yeah. Let's just, call, let's just calm down. Just calm down. And it's hard, too, because... It's not an entitlement, but I think that Seattle has, they've been robust in a lot. Like, I, I still can't keep paying these goddamn property taxes. I still yeah. can't. I'm like, what is going on right now? Yeah, what are you getting for your money? And, you know, in Texas, when oil gets cut in half or real estate, like, everything gets cut in half. Yeah. Here, it's just like, no. So I'm like, the same. It's so interesting. So it's so interesting to understand, listen, you haven't had to have to deal with this. You haven't to deal with this. Like, let's just all call a spade a spade. But I, and then... I think the city's just at a, at a spot too. If they're trying to attack talent, uh, trying to attack talent, which I totally understand, yeah. they're at a, they're at an impasse. They really, really are at an impasse. And I'm I'm, I think startups are going to sw- quickly realize they don't they don't have to come up here if they don't want no. to. Yeah. And I think you, you know, can easily have your company hit Kent and come up here, you know, and like done. do networking in Seattle, you know, done. Or you can have your company in fucking Michigan versus yeah. Saskatchewan or 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 Texas. Yep. And which is a lot of money's going towards. Which I think is great. I really, really do. And I think these pockets of these pseudo, you know, tech hubs are moving out, which needs to happen yeah. because you know you see Utah, Park City, yeah. all, all these places. What's called the Silicon Hills or something? It's Silicon Slopes. Silicon Slopes. It's crazy, slopes, yeah. and they're really becoming powerhouses yeah. as they should. I mean, Why not? Singled was there. Uh, I think Quato was there. Some yeah. other companies, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm glad it's getting diversified. I, I think it's just more it's imperative not just like a diversification, but why? Yeah, it's really important to be like, hey, Silicon Valley doesn't have to be that. It just doesn't, yeah. especially if you're a bunch of snobby nosed douchebags. Yeah, just nobody's, nobody's and, gonna and, win and with that. Think with Seattle, something that Seattle government does is like, well, what do you think about like the, like you said the we're gonna pass a law where if like you're Amazon or Seattle and someone makes under hundred thousand dollars, you have to pay tax for that person, right? Okay, I'll just move out of Seattle, right? Yep. And you lose all the tax revenue, yep. right? And my thing is like, you know, like you can, you can argue is Amazon a good or bad company, same with Microsoft, all these different companies, but like the tax revenue that gives to Seattle, Seattle has to be tremendous, right? And why 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 fuck that up, you know? I literally like we you know, there was a young uh, young lady who was on the city council who was just vilifying the five hundred million dollars in taxes at Amazon. It's half a billion dollars. Funding programs, funding this. Yeah, 
You can call them the atrocity of corporate whatever. Get that. Half a billion fucking dollars. Yeah. Let's let's at least have some some conversation of something. Some reality. No, I didn't have to be conversation. Just reality check. Like five hundred fucking million dollars in taxes. What are you doing with that money, right? Come on. Who's it supporting? It's not Amazon's fault that you're probably wasting half of it on some bullshit. Come on, man. Come on, man. And that's what's really tough too is they're getting vilified to the point where it's like. Here's the like we're not even telling you what to do with this. Yeah, we're not. And and I and I get it. I mean, capitalism is capitalism. But if you're gonna subscribe to capitalism, then fucking subscribe to capitalism. Yeah. Just do it. Do the good and do the bad. That's how the game works. It's a game. There's gotta be a loser. If you don't want to play the game, then sit on the sideline, please. And think about how fortunate Seattle have. I mean, what other city? has like you know i'm sure there's somebody you know you have boeing amazon microsoft expedia and we can keep going on and on but, oh trident seafoods yeah trident seafoods a billion dollar fish industry yep. at a battle right yep all the manufacturers like you know it's like i mean like seattle is not a bad place to be economically right you think about the deckhands that get hired the tender the gig workers that get hired i mean a lot of people vilify so many different things for big corporate you know no just think about what they're doing now I have my own issues when you say one thing and you do the exact opposite. And it's like, just don't say it. If you're going to, hey, everything's great, don't lay off half of your constituency because yeah. you don't hit some random arbitrary metric that's based on an S10 or a 1099 or, a, you know, a 10K or 5K type of thing. Yeah. But the thing with Seattle, last thing with Seattle, like, they have to do better, right? Like, hey, can I? All right. So, that's a really good one. You've had all three, right? Yeah. So, do a quick, quick review. What do you think about each one? And I'll tell you what I think and what other people think so far. I'm a Buffalo Trace kid. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. So I can't. I got to. Yeah. Buffalo Trace is a stand. Like Buffalo Trace been around since 1773. Joe Rogan endorses it, you know. So, you know, Buffalo Trace is like the, to me a high standard. I got to ask you about him then. I like the bourbon whiskey. This one? Yeah. So it's crazy. Like, I think 10 people have had it. Eight have liked it. No, nine have liked it. I'm the only one who doesn't like it. Really? I just, I don't like it. Why? I don't know. Like to me, it's like I don't know something like I want to say too charcoaly or yeah. that. I just don't like it. Are you a bourbon kid? Or are you like like a scotch? Like a fr- okay, yeah. A good friend of ours. He's he just loves that really really peaty mossy. Yeah. just like scotch. I'm like oh god. Like I like both trace like bullet. You know, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm a I do just Jack just Jack, yeah. That's just kinda, you said you were raised on Jack yeah. <laughs> I sweat it out, man. I sweat it out. Yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone loves this. Like Levi, man, he he loved this. We, 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 yeah, Levi, dude. Yeah. So we drank this. Like we did, we did the rooftop last week. He, he loved this. He's, so we, a, he's a beautiful human. Yeah, he's, he's such nice. a good kid. Yeah, he's so nice. He's such a good kid. You doing okay with FI? Yeah, yeah. You liking it so far? Yeah. If so let's could, so let's review. Oh, sorry. This one. This one. I really like it. I like it too. Yeah. I really like it. I like it too. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. But I feel like I have to like say like oh yeah, but I really like yeah. the blade and bow. I do too. It's not no bite either. Yeah. And I you know you do rocks. It's good. Yeah. I, I, I like blade. And, I like that too. I like a lot. What's your favorite? Like not these, but just in general. Oh man, um, yeah, such a good question. A question I grew up on Crown Royal, you know. Okay. So I always like I talk my heart. I haven't had it for a while though, you know. I think with Crown, they have off the board, like you know, like I like the classic crowns. Yep. And then man, I, I love Crown Vanilla. They've really like come but then crazy. But some of this crap, like crap, a crown maple. I tried oh, it one time. I'm, like, where are my fucking pancakes? I'm right? good. This is horrible. The Jack Daniels uh, honey. Uh, I was like, don't do that. Uh, Just uh, don't do uh, it. Like, I hate crown apple. I hate crown apple. You know. Yeah. Uh, Have you tried some of the like flavor? Like the. 
Why am I brain farting here? Screwball. So it's peanut butter whiskey. Never tried that. Ooh, it's 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 sugary. And then uh, I really got into like the the Japanese whiskeys that, that are whiskeys. Oh man, what's that the, one? I like. Um, I can't think of it. Hibiki is a really good one. That man, we love. I can't think of it. There's a Chinese. There's a Japanese whiskey that we love. I think it's in those bamboo casks, but they still distill it the right way. Yeah, it's cool. yeah, that's cool. I mean, bourbon, like, you know, so many bourbons out there, you know. Yeah. But I'm, I, I, but I, in fact, me and Ricardo Perez directed some Blattens, like, maybe two or three weeks ago. Which one? A Blatton. Oh, oh, man, so good, right? I, I had a really good type of Four Roses the other day. I was like, where the fuck did Four Roses come from? Oh, like, a really good so, one. So, a couple weeks ago, I went on bourbon. I, I bought, like, 10, 12 bottles of bourbon, right? So, I have, like, bourbon everywhere. Like, I have Four Roses. I don't like it. I'll give you that. I don't like four I'll roses. I'll give you that, dude. I'd there like was four a roses. special one of four roses. I was like, where did this come from? I actually didn't but like it. But then everyone said, you got four roses, small batch. I got the, that's like the regular four roses. So it was just four roses, small batch. Yeah. It's it, a game changer. Yeah. It really was. I was like, all right, I'll see you. I, I'm, a, I'm a Buffalo Trace kid. Yeah. I really am a Buffalo Trace kid. Like that bullet. Um, I like Basil Hayden. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Even those people say it's like overpriced, you know, this, but you know, whatever. Basil Hayden's great. There's a, I started getting some of the Irish whiskeys too. Um, I couldn't even get into those for some uh, reason. What was the one that I just had? It was it was pretty good though. He uh, he did a really good job with it. But I told you that Wyoming whiskey. This and then there's a Skagit one that mystery mystery distillery. Um, it's just I think it needs another year or two on it. Have, have you tried? I'm sure you tried the wooden wooden real whiskey. I like that. I, I so we did it like a few years ago and it was the wrong batch. It was, was it? a bad batch. Was it? it was really really mm. really early and uh, yeah. it was really oh. really bad. had a lot of bite to it. How about, uh, man, uh, I think it's called High End. Yeah. The big bottles. Those yeah. big bottles. And it's from man. Utah, right? From Utah. Like, bombers get down like that? I didn't know that. Dude, it's so weird. There's, you know, you find these pockets that come out of nowhere. Yeah. But I think Utah's really coming into something else. Mm-hmm. I really, really think it is. They're getting a startup center. They're getting a lot of money. Um, people, have, people from California moving there, you know? A ton of people It's like there. everyone from California is moving everywhere, right? <sighs> You can have the trials and tr- you can have the bullshit wherever you go. I, I get it. You're gonna have the bullshit wherever you go. Be happy in your own skin. Yeah. I, I think for us when we came up here, the water's really nice. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a I'm a water baby. My son's a yeah, water, water baby. Yeah, we get calm with that, so it's been really good. What's really sad, and I hope founders and startups know this, like know who you are as a person. I didn't realize how important it was for me to be around water. Yeah. My 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 cognitive fruition and my my mental clarity was totally different from my geographics. And it, I hate to say that out loud because I, I I almost put that as a negative for myself. Yeah, water is just, to me, it's like you, probably you just, just a common effect, right? Just bring yourself for peace, you know, hear the waves, because we just see it, you know. But I didn't want to admit how important it was to me. Because we don't want to admit like, hey, we have a vulnerability that this I, is really I, helping. I mean, there's a reason where I think like 75%, 75% of the water is like within two miles of water, right? That's it. That's it, dude. That is really it. If you think about that, like it kind of like lends itself to all the understanding. So I, I think, you know, we, when we came up here, it's been a, it's a total transition. It's been really, really good. Um, I think I had I had a real hard problem with myself moving into, you know, I I, I mean, I don't know if if you've had any failures, but moving from failure into something where you're you're better than what you were in the past is hard. Um, we had I had a really really big black mark, and it kind of just became who I was and it, it, it kind of marked me for a long time to the point where I just was like shit like I need to get off of that and we might all have some failures might have some startups that don't work but that you know there's no finality in that there really isn't how long have you been in the Seattle area? 
four years four now? years yeah. like I, I said a shadow a lot you know the weather the people they're kind of like kind of rooted but but what we're doing like what better place to be at in seattle right yeah no I, I mean what better place to be at you know just the stuff going on here i mean and one thing like people tell me oh the rain like the rain is not that bad. Like I, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, like if you're in Texas, it might rain in an inch in one hour, right? Yeah. Here's gonna take a week to rain an inch, right? Yeah. The thing is always, always gray. Yeah. It's like this dome of grayness, and like. I'm okay with it because I went from like um, hot to hot and humid in, in Louisiana. Yeah, so I, I, was I think it was like a 107 in San Antonio the other day. Jesus Christ, I'm good. I have, I'll, I'll pass on that in a long way. But I mean, how's a family? Like, how long has a fa- like has a family been enjoying it as like? You know, big picture stuff. Sorry about that. Yeah, my, my wife loves it here. She loves the weather, yeah. So I think, well, for us, it was more like, you know, in, in Texas, it was more, especially when we went to Houston, it was more like you can eat and shop. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And we were in the energy side, so it was conducive to our, our whatever. When I started my hedge fund, everyone was like, you got to go to New York or California. I was like, no, nah, no, I want to stay home. They're like, cool, we put you down to the energy side. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, okay. Um, I've just never subscribed to... You don't have to move. I, I don't know. I, I I don't feel like you have to be beholden to anything to be who you are as a person. Yeah. I you just don't. If you're a fucking Texan at heart and you're in Seattle, cool. Be a Texan at yeah. heart. That's okay. That's okay. That's who you are as a person. And you you're gonna execute better as you true self than whatever. And my thing's always been like I was military moving around. Doesn't matter where you're, where you're at. It could be like you know the worst place in the world. You be like Mojave Desert. You have a few good friends, some money. You know. You're good. You, you're good, right? You're good. You know, and of course, you know, the biggest thing, like, you know, we up in the army. It, it was crazy, right? Like, let's say, like, Fort Drum, Fort Point, no, no, no place you don't want to be, right? It's like, like, middle of the woods, know where you want to be, right? And then you have, like, say, we'll say, Fort Jack, South Carolina, the Columbia, Capital, yeah. South Carolina, right? So everyone I know that with the Fort Drum or Fort Pope, that had great bosses, they loved it, right? Yep. People in South Carolina have bad bosses, they hate it, right? So, it all comes down to your boss, I think, you know. That's life. Yep. That's life. That's but again, it's not just boss. It's it's a, it's belonging. It's you know you manage them up, not out. You yep. empower them up, not out. You yep. give them responsibility. You trust but yep. verify. Yep. And I think any company that builds it that way is the best way to do it. Yeah, it really, really is. You might have some trials and tribulations, but the long game is going to end up being there. When people feel like they belong to something, they stick to whatever that is. They they they. They forego paychecks. They yeah. make sure, like, hey, Jason knows what's up. He knows that I know that he cares about me and he loves me. Like, yeah. let me make sure that he knows that I love him back. Yeah, it's important. Like, like talking about damn price, you know, a, a lot of people like you know people like no shit on him and he just seventy thousand dollars a year. What they double shit, but like even with just people said, hey, times are bad. I need you work for me for free for one month. Ninety five percent would say yes. Yes. Other five percent say we want to, but I can't do it right because it's you know yeah. this is going on, it's going on right. And I respect that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like hey, I, I respect that to him. And he had a five X revenue after that. Yeah. Come on, man. That's and it, and it's not a case study. It's not anything. Yeah. It's it's just it's only one company. Even think about it, you know. Like and think it is Seattle. You know, like could it could have done the same thing in like you know Las Vegas or Denver or you know. Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, but I think that's a great case study because then that comes to the leadership versus geographics, and I think that's really, really important. A lot of people move around for blah blah blah, and and I think I hate to say it, like I, I continue to lean into the 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 human the human element to everything that comes in. I mean, because Dan Price, he's pretty. Per- I've seen him speak. He's pretty personable. Like a few years ago, uh, I have to put him on a, a, a Seattle tech conference, right? Somewhere. Okay. He was he was one of the guest speakers, right? Talked to everyone, took pictures, right? Very charismatic, very outgoing. Now let's suppose Dan Price was like, you know, like, you know, Shadow Cooper. Yeah. 
would they, would they do the same thing? I know you gave me seventy thousand dollars, but you're selling Cooper. I'm not. I'm not doing this for you, right? So how much is like you know seventy thousand versus how much is like his people skills, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think what's you kind of nailed it, but that's him as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think leadership changes the whole dynamic. It really does, and and. That's a huge segue that most people don't understand that um, the mercenaries versus the missionaries. Like, there's going to be a lot of mercenaries in in these games. The reality of the situation is the mercenaries are going to be overshadowed by the missionaries. Because the missionaries will stick through it through three and thin thin and thin. And they see the vision. They see the stuff. And I think that a lot of startups don't understand. Like, you need to keep your missionaries as many as you can and the the mercenaries as few and far between. There's 100% when you get to that point of scale. But I think in the beginning, quote unquote startup, just a bunch of missionaries, yeah, I'm which a, is hard. That reminds me of like, like a few years ago, I was going to go to like a lot of networking events, right? And you know, startup stuff. And I was talking, to, she did customer service on the gravity. And we yeah. were talking like, right, right after the 7,000. And she told me, Jason, I'll be honest with you, even before the pay raise, I would never cook gravity. See, like, f- like she said, even before seventy thousand, I would never cook gravity. Just like he, t- you know, we you know it's hard. He takes care of us. Like this, yeah. I, I had a I had a post actually on LinkedIn about ClickUp, and it was it was it was very very apropos and very frustrating because everybody got this email on Customer Appreciation Day, and the Customer Appreciation Day email said, "Hey Nathan, thank you so much for." And I was like. And like this was, I'm not gonna lie, Jay. This was like I was having a personal day. It was a personal day of just low anger, and I was like, I'm just like not fucking Nathan. My name isn't fucking Nathan. It's Raja. I'm a brown, you know, Middle Easterner. Please listen to me. And I wrote that and I posted it, and ClickUp responded. Zeb Effens, which is the founder of mm. ClickUp, responded. So basically, caught you the wrong moment. But every single one of them was like, hey, we are so sorry. We're so sorry. We fucked up. But they came to me personally. And they did it intimately. And over the past two years, like, I've seen them operate. And I'm wholeheartedly a fan. Mm. Unequivocally. And I said, hey, I made a post. You guys responded. I 100% know it was an algorithmic fuck up. I love you. Thank you for saying. Like, it was the smallest thing to me, but they all were like, mm. and 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 whatever. If if this helps, like, I had twenty five thousand comments on that. It's my biggest post yet. Not like I cared, but it was like, hey, click up, you fucked up. Yeah, and it got to me today, and they immediately came in. Most hey, companies don't do that. They don't. Billions dollar companies don't do that. They don't do that, and they all like responded to me directly. I was like. Do you get it, people? Like, this is how it works. Yeah. Even at the smallest microcosm of a level, it's a huge, huge, huge factor. And it's it, that escapes a lot of people right now. And I, I hope it comes back full circle. Probably won't, but I hope it does. So change subjects. Talk about the importance of data. Oh, I'm a, I'm a data slut. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm a data slut. I just, I just am. I, I think it's so interesting. Um, you Attribution and all that stuff. I think data is... It's boring and minutia, but it's so important. It's so important when you start understanding the flywheel and the scalability and, and where it all comes from and, and, and attributions and, and data analytics. And you don't have to be a data scientist at heart, but you have to understand, hey, this is working. This isn't working. We need to throw a little bit more behind this one. We need to put this one on the side. 
Um, it's again, it's it's a little bit more granular and minutia, not as as sexy, but it's really, really, really important that most people understand that data is the most important thing that we have right now. And you can monetize data. You can you can you can you can you do whatever you want with that in a, in a nefarious way or in a good way. And I think that people who do it in the good way will continue to have repeat business. And I think that people who do it in a nefarious way will be like, eh, we have to finish out these few dollars that we can get. And it's been happening right now. So talk about this. Like, I think a lot of people, they get data confused, right? A lot of people are like, you know, here's a thousand rooms of data and they throw it at you, right? Which is fucking useless, right? Yep. How do you go from like this straight data to like learning the story behind the data? Mm-hmm. Like what's the saying? Like, you know, is uh, like, so you said by saying 20%, right? Well, 20% could be two out of 10 or it could be like two million out of, you know, whatever million, right? Yeah. You have to, yeah, that's really hard. You have to, Again, I'll go back to knowing what a win is to most people when it comes to data. For me, data, 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 whatever you want to call it, I think it's more talking about the user. And I have my idea about what I want. And the data is the actual attribution to what I want versus what the uptake is. And I think people don't understand that bridge and that chasm is massive. And data is the only thing that bridges the chasm between what you think your hypothesis and your scientific method and what your constituency actually wants. So here's what I think of X, Y, and Z and has 0% efficacy with my, with my, with my end user. This data is telling me, Hey, this bridge is wrong. And I think data is the one it's, it's really sad. It's the equalizer. Mm-hmm. It's my baby's so cute. Well, the data says it's not nobody's yeah. nobody gives a shit. And I'm like, but I want my baby to be cute. Yeah, no, 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 no. We want you your baby to be cute too. It's not going to work. So, okay, my baby is funny. Okay, yeah, your baby's funny. Yeah, look, the data's saying it's funny. Now let's make a, a funny data company. You know. So I think data is, is is one of the most important things because it's it's unequivocally unbiased. And when you when you when you take your emotions, emotions are the biggest. It's funny too. They give those four caveats to the startups of of. Hey, startups don't succeed because they run out of cash and have product market fit. No, no, they do it because ego and emotions get in the way. I think the number one cr- to crusher of, of of startups, even if you've raised or whatever, is the emotional quotient that gets everybody yeah, a little bit. I, I know some of your founders that don't ask for help. Are you kidding me? Don't ask for help. I and have, they know yeah, they need help. I they have, know who to ask for. Pride's a motherfucker. Pride, I've ego is a motherfucker. Yet, I've yet to see a solo founder just fucking rock. Because that echo chamber is brutal. The echo chamber is brutal, and 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 it's a joke. Yet it's not. But my fantasy and like my my best red team is is my old lady because she's like you're fucking stupid. I'm like yes, ma'am, I am. But like why? But why? In a good way. In a yeah. good way. Like hey, help me poke holes because she wants me to succeed in the right way. And I think um, I think I'll be really honest. A lot of founders, myself included, because I had a little bit of success. I did. I had a little bit of success. So I project, I know my next one's going to be, I never fucking touched tech in my life. Mm -hmm. How am I going to assume that my SaaS tech is going to be better than anybody's? Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't want to give up. They don't want to delegate. They don't want to. Yeah. So it's like, hold on. This person isn't isn't good enough to get equity in my company or be part of my baby. Of course. Of course. And so. I think the data is one of those things that it keeps it. It's an it's an equalizer and a normalizer because it really is like, actually no, you know these six months of traction that you thought on your sprint didn't really work. Do you want to listen to what we're saying and then move the next iteration, or do you want to continue with this head bashing against the wall? I think most founders also mess up like you know like, 
you always see like, you know, you're a founder, you're going to bring co-founders, right? And let's say you're like, you know, extrovert and, and technical, operational. So you're bringing two other white guys, operation technical. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me, right? You yep. know, like me, like, I, I know, like, I'm an introvert, introvert. I have no creative TV at all. So I like to bring in creative people who fucking like talk too much, right? Yeah, it's good but, balance to me. But you were just honest with yourself. That's the real, like, that's yeah. the only catalyst that gets you there. Yeah. And this is, so Mary Kay, like, it, she says it in jest, my business partner, we, we, we work so fucking well together because... um she calls me Tony Stark and she's Pepper Potts. <laughs> Not because I'm off the fucking rails yeah. and she keeps the processes in place and yeah. she keeps she keeps it going forward. And ideas are great if you can't execute them. Well, you know, like you say, you got to be authentic to yourself sometimes. Like, you're true to yourself, right? You know, like, what's the best? And I think people, too, like, they mess up when they become a star founder. Like, what's the best for me? No, what's the best for your company? What's yeah. going to move your company for, right? Yeah. And I had a guy, I had a kid, and, and I see him oh. just pontificating and all over the place and posting and blah 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 and I'm like just shut the fuck up man just shut up just shut up you're, you, you, I know you you want to raise and that's I think for me it's really hard to buy into it then because it's um, it's just a lot of just frenetic bullshit it's like hey this is what's going on and so we're this and this and like no no it's a great idea it's working mm -hmm. for a little bit stop talking continue to validate it's too early in this and that's why i think i i project some of my own inadequacies in, into what i see it's because it's like i know what i did i know how it didn't work and then i have mm -hmm. to understand like hey i see that i see that exact same transcript going forward how do you have that conversation like you said especially on the fi like imagine it's the fi side it's like mm -hmm. hey jason i i love what you guys are doing but the reality situation is and i, I told you i have this exactly right now there's somebody who's going through FI and, and they want to do, they have this idea and they want to raise. I'm like, great, but if you raise and do this, what are you going to do next? And there's yeah. no next step. There's no And if you raise, you know, even that person on your board, you know, you got to spend time with them. You got to manage them, you know, like. It's a bad, you, you it's gotta, a. You know, like, but then again, you know, like, it's, it's a, what's a, a chicken eat egg thing, right? You know, it's like. And I think a lot of people have a misconception about this chicken versus the egg of, hey, I have to raise to do this because they've been told so many different ways that's the only way to do it. And, and especially you're not a tech founder. If you're not a tech founder, you really can't build it for yourself. So so you got to raise the money and like, you you know, but then you might get ripped off. Like me, you know, we're talking about this later, but I, I've been to so many tech people, right? It's just yep. going to challenge, right? Some people have stolen money from me. Some yep. people have flaked on me. I got a great person now, my co-founder, but it's like, if you're not a tech founder, like, do you like, do you outsource? Like, uh, it's like, it's like. <sighs> so I'm going to have to do a shameless plug here. Okay. If that's allowed. Yes. My shameless plug. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a shameless plug here. My shameless plug is for the Zig. So I met a, a gentleman, Christopher Chileshe, through a, an acquaintance. He's a Microsoft, Goldman, you know, brilliant human being. I begged this guy to help me. I said, hey, I want an app. Here's here's this SOW. Here's your scope. Let's go. He goes, yeah, great. No. Hey, I, I talked to my friend. He said you're like one of the best developer groups that we have. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. No. Here's money. I have an idea. Please take it. No. What the fuck, dude? He wouldn't. That's so rare. He wouldn't. Do it. Some people just take your money and then fuck it up. He wouldn't do it. He continued to push back. I was like, hey, man, like, listen, Chris, 
I have an idea. I'd really like you to build this MVP for me. Here are the funds. He's like, yeah, no, this is great. Go find somebody else. I was like. So many people take are just taking money. have no idea what they're doing. Okay. Like, did I insult you? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, what are you doing here? I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. I'm doing, I was like, yeah. You're linking them to, you know, a different native environment, which is leakage. Who cares? He's like, they're leaving your platform. I was like, oh. Okay, he's like, and that's tech debt. So you're going to support tech debt that's not even on your native platform for somebody else's platform. I was like, huh? What? Like, you're saying all these words I don't get. He's like, no, I know you don't. He's like, your your app is great. I love it. Uh, it'll be mothballed on a shelf if I do it. I was like, <clears throat> fuck you. But what? <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. Think about this. 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 I was like, I re-engineered the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I re-engineered the whole thing. And then he finally was like, okay, let's crawl, and then we'll walk, and then we'll run. I haven't left him since. Nice. I haven't left him since. So talk about this. So you're, you're, you're not tech, right? So I talk about some podcasts a lot, right? So let's suppose, how, how do you deal with this, right? So let's suppose. This is a good one, because it was this awesome. Going. This is a good one. So let's suppose you ask John Bob. John Bob, go open the door. John Bob gets up, open the door. You ask John Bob, the tech guy, you got to tell John Bob, the tech guy, stand up at 20 degree angle, use 10% thrust. It's that bit detailed, 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 right? How do you work through that? You know, like, because in your mind, you have to understand this, right? How do you not get this, right? But like, it, 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 you can't only say one through 10. You got to say 1A, 1B, 1C. And it's like, you got to break down the next ass. And like, as a founder, like, you ain't got time for that crap. But then you have to make time, right? And how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you personally deal with that? with you and your tech people? I'll be really honest. I lucked out. My tech people know what to do. You're I, so I, fucking lucky. I, no, I am so, hey, I'm so lucky. I went through, I went through Top Tall. I went through 47. Top Tall is like one of the best of best, right? I went through 47 of those motherfuckers. And every single one, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. And when they said, yeah, I can do it, I was like, the first person I talked to who was a referral from a friend said, there's no way I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I immediately had my, my my litmus test. So many tech people, the first reaction is, I can do it. Can you really? Brother, he 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 was, I was so, I was, I was mad at him. I was mad at him. I was like, hey, man, hey, man, woman, whatever. Hey, person, the fuck? Here's my money. It's good money. Like, take it. Like, you get my ID. He's like, yeah, that's great. Nope. He didn't want to put his name on something he knew wouldn't work. That's that's pride. That's understanding. That's like that's it was really really cool. And and now it's not it's not it's it's not funny that I'm like he has three other amazing groups going forward, and I'm like over here trying to invest in his company. He won't take. It. He's, <laughs> he's a he's a brilliant human being who does right by people in the right way and delivers an amazing product. And I I really really lucked out, but I lucked out in the fact that I didn't really I, I had no understanding of what I was doing. I had no understanding of consequences. I had no understanding of anything. I was like, hey, I'm just going to try this out. And he's like, yeah, great. And I, I was lucky enough that I hey, felt, hey, move move for some. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I was lucky enough that I fell into a group that just just wanted to make good products. Um, you play college football, right? Yeah. Talk about the experience, like what, what, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Oh man, good experience, bad experience. Best experience of my life, 
to be really, really honest, um, and I think that's where I kind of got my 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 personality of of team and and so I, uh, they call me speed bump. I was the speed bump. I was I played Division one college football, and at that point, being five nothing, a hundred nothing pounds, you're a speed bump. What, what position you play? I played DB in special teams. Okay, and and and. I was lucky. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like you, like you're a pretty big ass motherfucking dude, right? No, I was a I, fucking round. I, I mean, like, you, like you're like you're like you're a pretty fucking big fucking Holy dude. Like, to I me, was, like so so if you're like this, if you're like this shrimp, I'm like goddamn, how big these other jokers are? I love you. I was 32 pounds heavier when I played. I was 32 pounds heavier, and I was angry, and I fucking had didn't care about my body, and I was playing with you know seven foot four and bound black guys who could go <laughs> coast to coast in seven <laughs> seconds. I was like fucking shit, and. You, you get humbled quick, you find out who you are as a person, and then you learn how to play smart. Mm-hmm. So I think I've always been the underdog, and I've always succeeded in the fact that like I didn't sit in this victimhood. Mm-hmm. If you don't sit in victimhood, and then more importantly, um, I, I played with no recourse. So the, the tattoos and the knuckles say ride fast, and it doesn't come from anything outside of um, the bicycle. It literally, like my, my whole life is kind of the metaphor of a bicycle. When you're going like super slow and, and, and you're maybe going less than one mile an hour, that this thing is wobbly. You're, you're like, oh, God. Uh, oh. You're barely pedaling. You're, you're about to fall over. But if you're going, if you're literally just going and you're, you're one with the bike and it's good speed, you can put your arms out. You can put your yeah. hands out. You can relax. She wants to go fast. Don't play scared in life. Don't, 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 don't do any of that. You're going to get hurt. So when ride fast, it's much more like just play. Play 110% in life. If you get hurt, you'll get hurt at 110%, but you get hurt 10 times more at 70 or 50% because you're thinking and you're like, oh, I'm not. Uh, what? Analyze this stuff, you know, Fuck what that. this, what Analysi- that, you know. Analysis paralysis. Yeah. It's real. It's 100% real. real. Yeah, it is. And so if you can just lean into it and just run fast, it works well. And so um, college ball was about that I, I i was the smallest of the smallest of the small but i didn't think and i played at 115 miles but you got a scholarship hour. right yeah i i walked on and got a scholarship oh, so nice. that was so they recruited me for a bit i said cool you do this the first four weeks you got a full ride and that was because i didn't think i just played hard i played really hard uh they gave me in a fifth year so i tacked on that master so they paid for that nice. another one um so it it's you know, you leverage what you can do. You leverage what you can do, and, and then you just run with it. Do you have any moment called forward, like 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 you like really did something good, like made a like great tackle, or like a shining moment, so to speak? <laughs> so I, I, my my shining light, and he was University of Texas. He played in the NFL. His name was Roy Williams. He's a wide receiver. I know him. He's from my hometown, Odessa, Texas. Yo, he's from Odessa, Texas. Yep, I laid was. his ass out. Indeed. I put. I took his mouth guard over here, his helmet over there. Roy Williams. I not know. Him. I laid his ass out at six foot eleven inches, and I just laid him out. And 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 Evan was like, "Yo, you just laid out Roy Williams." I, like, I just laid out Roy Williams. Yeah, Roy Williams. Yeah, he, you know, not, not far enough. Like he doesn't good things. So like like Warrior him at home in Odessa, Texas. Like he like pays for everything. Warriors Club. All, he do does so many good things. You know, like just great people. Like he he like he does. He takes a lot of care. Of a lot of people in Odessa, Texas. Funny enough, I'll even go one step further. Like like uh, I'd say it was Roy Williams, but I actually have a Super Bowl wing because I was with the Saints for in two thousand five when we went to Miami. Oh <laughs> shit! Yep. Oh shit! But my 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 so Jeremy Shockey, Jaron Sharper, those my my peoples. But um, Drew Brees. But my my thing was 
laying Roy Williams out and he That's just it. being just blindsided. When, when I saw his mouthpiece fly, I was like, yeah. and I just retired <laughs> and cleans. I'm done. That's your moment. I'm, I was it. That was it. Nobody just saw it. It was on a kickoff return. I was like, I laid his ass out. And it was like, what are you talking about? Like nothing. Don't worry about it. But I put him down. I put the the NFL Hall of Famer down. Nice, nice. And you know, nobody will ever know it but me. Yeah, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, all that matters. You know, that's and, and you know what? It's a great story you tell your grandkids. That's it, man. That's it. Great and if you can, if you can talk to yourself in the, I think that was a big thing for me too. And I, and, and sometimes I can't. I, I try and talk to myself in the mirror. And I, but I'll, I'll be honest, Jay. Like sometimes I look at myself. I'm like. Fuck man, like who has neck tattoos? I, I'll be honest. Mm. Like sometimes I'm like, damn, dude, like you're doing this, you're doing so, this. So how long you had your neck tattoos? Too long, just stupid amounts, just stupid shit. Like a long time ago. No, I mean not like long, but like, but who get like for me? I personally, I had to, t- I had to be, I had to be real with myself. Like, man, I, I who gets neck tattoos? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like, like you know, I have tattoos on my ears, but I always say all this for a long time. I say. Like if you have a neck tattoo, you, you only get a neck tattoo if you're Allen Iverson and that was or it. Michael Vick, or you know like Snoop Dogg. You no, know, like no. it, like get a get a neck tattoo if you have fuck you money. And that's what I and I and I didn't at that point. And I got there and I was just like, why am I doing this? But uh, I think it was more it was more of an anger towards the. I think it was just more of an anger, uh, just a more of a fuck you to everything. Yeah, it was, and when you know. Most people know when you start at Goldman and on a Friday they give you a pitch that's ready for a Monday and you sleep in the cot in the back and you're doing your DCF modeling and these guys come in on a Monday morning and sign their name on it and just walk out and you're just like, <sighs> just you, you just don't want to continue to participate and add to that whole and people don't realize those, those, the people talk, you know you make all this big money working for you know Wall Street blah blah there's a fucking price right oh my god I mean people don't see the price they, like one thing to like people don't realize if you want to be successful make good money you probably not can do it working 9 to 5 right I mean you had to sacrifice you know and what's that sacrifice like it's like you know do you want to work 8 hours a week for Goldman Sachs making what, what do you make and you know miss on your family yep Everything has a price, you know? And I think that's what's really interesting is, like, I, I found that at a later stage, but when I ran my own hedge fund, um, I remember, I we even talked about my brother in the Doogie Hauser of himself. Um, he, uh, you know, his graduation, I skipped his graduation because I was in the hotel on the computer trading. Mm. I drove, uh, we were all, we were all in St. Louis, and I was the only one still, like, not understanding because I was in, I was in my zone, in my head. And yeah. This dude worked four years. Four years. I wasted four years of his his accomplishments for four hours in a hotel. Have you made that right yet? Huh? Uh, no. You make that right, man. Hey, you, I you, haven't. Yeah, you need to do something. I don't know what it is, but you need to make that right. Hey, Jay, I think you I think you you hit on something. I haven't made it right yet. I haven't made a lot of things right yet. I haven't made a lot of things right yet. Yeah. Because I also kind of fell in this paradigm of like, yeah, I know, fuck you. This is me against the world, and I haven't made a lot of things mm-hmm. right. Which continues to stress relationships. Yeah. And why? I tell you, when you get my age, you, you spend a lot of time trying to make things right, you know? And fuck that. I, I, I love you. I don't want to get to your age to start making things right. Yeah. It's not worth it. I shouldn't have made them wrong in the beginning. Yeah. I know. No, but but this isn't kind of the whole point of the startup and whatnot. It's like, oh, man, like, I, about why? Why? So you can negate and, and not pay attention. And it's funny, too. It's like, so what's the end game? Oh, I want to have autonomy or flexibility to to what continue to not be happy so yeah. it's like it's a really interesting paradigm i mean are you 
are you going down that that path you want? Yeah. So are you? I, th- I, th- I think I am. Yeah. I think I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's one for you. Here's a different story. So there's a fisherman in, like, we'll say Italy, right? Like, every day we go fishing, buy, you know, like, you know, go fish back, you know, catch four or five fish, sell on the market, right? So this, this capitalist came to, hey, you know, like, you, you, this fish is great. You're doing a great job. How about if I give you some money, you buy more boats, yeah. and, you know, do more fishing, blah, blah, blah. In 20 years, you retire, have a great life. I have a great life now. Yeah. Like, Why? I have a great life. Now. I, I work for a few hours, buy some fish, sell it, you know, pay my bills. I have a great life now. Why do all those fucking stress? But answer that question yourself. What makes it not? Who? Who makes it not? What idea makes it not? Do you have to have more than those fish? Does somebody say, oh, you don't have more than those fish? You're not, you're not better than me? You're not mm-hmm. as good as me? Mm-hmm. That's why I find it so interesting. When, when, when my 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 parents get spit on or whatever it is to the point where they're like, okay, you spit on me, but I'm going to make sure now you'll never spit on me again yeah. because I have all these things. People aren't going to spit on you because you have things or they're just going to spit on you because they just don't like you. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. Uh, there's a perfect, and it, the exactly metaphor of a, a person who, who bought like an island for $10,000 and, you know, somebody was like, hey, I'll offer you $50 million for it. And he was like, why? He's like, I don't need money because I'm happy on my paradise in this island. Like, yeah. I think once we understand who we are. You have to learn to be content. And a lot of people can't learn to be content. Why not? I mean, part of it is like human nature, part of it's competitiveness. Like me, like, like, like me, my whole life, let's suppose I did 10 things, right? Nine things like fucking that someone said, like, put you my boss, right? Yep. I did 10 things. Jason, you 10, nine things, best of the best, the greatest ever, you made so much money. The same thing is pretty good, but it could be better. I would destroy myself on the 10th thing. Why? Who told you Who told you that you had to do 10 out of 10 instead of 9 out of 10? Was there anybody that, or anything that has put that in you? Myself. Okay. Myself. No, okay. That's Myself. great. Myself. I, I hate to say it, like that's, I hate to say that's great, but like, Myself. Well, it's not an exigent circumstances being yeah. like, you're not good enough. You have to do that 10th thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people have that exigent circumstance being like, you need to do that 10th thing. Hey, you got a 98 out of 100. Where's the other two points? Yeah. I, how about those 98 fucking points? Yeah. No, 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 no. But if you were like, hey, Self-induced. I want those two extra points. Great. Yeah. I think it's that exigent circumstance that makes it harder. I mean, competitiveness, competitiveness is good to a degree, right? Yeah. yeah, it is. But everything in life is going to be competitive. And there's, and I think what sucks too is a lot of people don't understand. Like I, I, I'm the best in the world. It's just not reality. There's no. always somebody bigger, better, stronger, and faster. I tell people all the time, like, I admit to a lot of people, like, all the time, time, no matter how hard you work, how talented you are, someone's working harder and way more talented than you. So then at what point are you happy with what you can do? Yeah. Like, and then it's like, like, you know, they tell all the time, like, you know, the, the sports commercials, I wake up at 5 in the morning to work out. Yeah. I wake up at 3 in the morning to work out. Like, at uh, 2.45 in the morning to work out. I'm at like, 2.44 in the morning. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> like, I get okay. it. First of all, you have some kind of life, right? Yeah. Hopefully you have some kind of social skills. You're, you're meeting people, you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, like, yeah. you have to live your life, right? I mean, yeah. like. But most people, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's it's living the life on somebody else's dime. And to me, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's like, I don't need to wake up at three if somebody's waking up at four just to say I woke up at three because they're waking up at four. And that's why I love the generous Z, right? They don't give a fuck. They do their thing, you know, like, and, and, and you know, people call them lazy and like not competitive, you know, but. 
said the exact opposite. There are some of those kids who really, really know. So I, I totally, again, I think I even mentioned this before, like, I totally respect the corporate lifestyle. 20 years at Boeing, 30 years at Boeing, 40 years at Boeing, Amazon. I mean, I, think about it, it's a perfect life. You're like, you, you work nine to five or 20 for totally. Boeing. Nine to five, get up for five, go totally home, eat dinner, that. watch TV. Totally respect that. Fucking cut the fuck off. I totally respect that. Leave work at work. Yep. I really do. Some could call that lazy. Yeah, you're right. I, I'll just be really, it's not like, you know, it's, oh, fuck. I mean, 40 hours, seven days a week has 760 hours. So you only, you, you only contributing contributing society four years out of 60, 168. And, and so I think at some point it's like, hey, listen, at 8 p.m. I want to log on till 11 p.m. because I'm a Gen Z. If this, blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's, I think it's a really interesting kind of the, the corporate culture could actually be not lethargic, but it's like, hey, we're stuck to this paradigm of I leave work at home, yeah. which I love. I do. And, I, I, and I'll actually f I'll push a rebuttal of um, I think it's 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 really hard that this paradigm shift from societal norms to whatever is going right now is, is, is the Industrial Revolution, farming, like sons, daughters, whatever. They used to go with their parents. They used to go milk the cows. They used to be next to their hip. And now it's like, no, you're going to go out and do your own thing. And when that paradigm shifted, everything shifted. Now it's more like corporate culture and this and that. You have to go and do things. But I think we, we've, we've moved from the family homestead to the work homestead. And we have to embrace the repercussions of that. If we're going to idolize that and we're going to push that as the major norm moving forward, and, and which then lends itself to wealth or whatever it is, mm. it's really important to understand there's an opportunity cost. There 100% is an opportunity cost. Your kids, your family, that the family unit might be bifurcated and stressed. And if, if you want to accept one side of normality, you have to accept the other side. If you expect there's a God, you have to expect there's a devil. Yeah. Like that's, I just feel like that's just normalcy. And right now, people want to fight both sides of that stigma. Like, no, 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 you can go out and be, and you don't have to be this or this or this, but you have to stick to this. I'm like, that's two different philosophies. So we have to understand why there's a disconnect. And if you're upset about it, why you're upset about it. Yeah. And another thing, too, like you're talking about, it's like, it's so, it's so complicated, right? So I, I got to bring a fart. Um, let, me ask, let me ask you another question. You're good. So talk about Lysera. I'm very happy. Uh, so, so you're doing Lysera on top of your own startup, right? It's kind of together. So Lacera, again, Lacera is a prop tech company um, founded by Barrett Newberry about five years ago. Brilliant human being. So I did a direct consumer health and wellness, um, just health and wellness like platform, and it's worked really well. That was a Thrive Health, and it continues to get bigger and bigger. And what I did was I ended up doing digital health, but I'm working with apartment complexes. So we had MSAs, which was master service agreements with about 17 different apartment complexes here in Seattle alone. And they're like, listen, we love what you're doing. But I mean, Jason, I was I was kissing babies and licking and licking dirt. I was going to every single place. Yep, that's that's what you have to do as a startup. I walked into a, a static book of business, which it could be apartment apartment complexes, many of them here in, in Pioneer Square downtown. And we were just um, talking to agents and, hey, hey, this is what we're doing. And they loved what we were doing. And I met with Barrett and Barrett goes, you know, Raj, I love what you're doing, but you're, you're flipping over every single rock in the river. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. He's like, and that's great. He's like, why don't you come to the mouth of the river? And he built out a prop tech system that 
you know, the marketplace, which is I'm one spoke in this giant hub of a wheel. You know, those old, yeah, you're a hundred spoke kid from, from Corpus Christi or in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. We knew the 13 rim, hundred spoke rim. Thrive was one spoke of what he's building. So Lacera is building out a platform, a prop tech platform that's that's fighting that folio, fighting Yardy, and we're taking people right and left. And what I really appreciate about Lacera is they're, um, I hate, God, I hate buzzwords and, and like democratize. Yeah. It's allowing the smaller person to get in and play the game. If the big boys want to play the game and think that they're better than everybody else, we're going to show them the other way. And it's worked out really, really well. It's a prop tech company that's that's open source, open platform. It's almost like your Android. It's like your 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 iPhone and all of your apps are on the prop tech side. So if you have any services, any maintenance requests, and you know, it's not you don't have to pay for it. He he has built out something that I want to be a mercenary. I mean, I want to be a missionary, not a mercenary. <laughs> Uh, I was close. I want to be a merc- uh, missionary, not a mercenary. I don't want to just get paid to do well. I want to do the right thing. And this is the only um, group that I've actually found that the incentives align. And so Lacera has been kind of instrumental in me actually stopping my fundraising for my, my own company and moving towards understanding a bigger marketplace and a bigger bigger opportunity, to be honest. So... Our, our health and wellness company that we built is kind of just one small cog in this giant wheel. Let's talk about this. Talk about like founders, you know, I like to say if you're a founder, you're gonna get, you're gonna get your teeth kicked in every day, you're gonna nick, nick, nick down every day. Talk about the points of resiliency as a founder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think all founders need to know things are good until they're not. Things are good until they're not. The Mike Tyson rule, right? Yep. Yep. And I had a, and, and he's my, everyone's idea is great until you put it in the market. Exactly. And he's my gusto motto. He's in and Barrett's like, listen, he's tried and true. I think resiliency comes from not yourself. It comes from your team. And not bullshit. Not rah rah, sis boom ba, I love you, everything's good. It's not. It's not. If you call a spade a spade, at some point, listen, we need to cut off this, we need to fire this person. This is reality. Um, resiliency is tough. Resiliency is tough because there's 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 a blinding factor. I had a really 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 good friend, and I love him unconditionally. And he's like, I'm stubborn. I was like, Yeah, I know, Jay. You're stubborn. As he's like, Yep, I've been stubborn for 14 years. That's a long time to be stubborn. Fuck that noise, dude. Fuck. I hope somebody would be like, Hey, man, that's that's 14 years of stubbornness. You need to stop. You need to stop it. And I'm very lucky that I've, I've met with some founders and some brilliant human beings that are being like, oh, listen, here's resilience. Here's the here's the litmus test and the actual end of resilience. Because resilience is great. And, and there's two adages, you know, um, companies go under when you run out of money and startups go under when you quit. Yeah. And I say all the time, you know, you only fail as an entrepreneur if you quit. That's it. And, and, and I respect that. I, I also think understanding the financial acumen of some people being like, listen, we've scaled to this. To free, we scaled to this. I had a, I had a business, uh, a guy not too long ago, and he built some, some really, really good groups. And he built out some brick and mortar studios on the wellness side to, to a threshold of like, hey, it, it had a really good marketing. Hey, 10X in 10 years. 
And a few of them were too fast and too soon. And it was so impressive outside of resiliency for him to have humility, not hubris. And that's why I think it's a really interesting for resiliency, but humility and understanding. There's, they're, they're very different things. They're, yes, yes, I agree completely. I, I think resiliency and pride and hubris are very different things. And he said, uh-huh. Here's, it's a great marketing thing. It makes total sense. It's not working. And I said, holy shit, for him to be like, him or her, to be like, nope, it, I, I, I have 10 years worth of my push here with this great marketing campaign. It's not working. And they shut, they shut some of them down. That was the biggest litmus test to me to be like, you're resilient enough to know to shut the fuck up, to stop with whatever you said was going to work, and it didn't, to re-engineer the next step and to move forward. That's true resiliency, to stick through and pass your thought process and your ego. And to me, that was a really, really interesting paradigm, and I still work with that person. Raj, what's your red line? Like, what would happen to happen you? So you say, what's your red line? Say, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to stop working startups and go get a real job. Like mine is, and actually my wife gave it to me, my real line is we can't like mortgage the house, take a second, it's, it's anything with the house, right? no money in the house, nothing like this is my red line. No. Give it to my wife. What, what's your nah. red line? Uh, my red line is more mental. My more red line is I, I wake up stressed and I go to bed stressed. My whole thing is if I go to bed, my biggest litmus test, which is my, um, I call them highlighter lines, actually, Tom Bilyeu. So even a lot of work with Tom, Quest, Quest Nutrition, Tom Bilyeu. My highlighter line is if I go to bed thinking about it as a stressor and I wake up thinking about it as a stressor, I'm not going to do it anymore. Okay. Because then I wake up and I look at my wife and I look at my kids and I'm like. But isn't stress part of being a part of a startup though? It's just something I can't control. Okay. I got it. If I, I can't it. control, like the finances are wrong, mm -hmm. the market's wrong. Um, I haven't gone there yet. But my stressor is if I go to bed thinking about it and it's a stressor and I wake up thinking about it as a stressor, the exigent circumstance I can't control. I have to be honest about it. Okay. I do. And you were born in Lebanon, correct? Mm -hmm. How old were you when you came over here? One month. Oh, one month? Yeah, I was a puppy. So have you have you gone back there or? I, oh, I, that was my, that's home. That's home? That's so you, home. So you go back there a lot? All the time. I grew up the summers there. I have citizenship there. I did the military there. And that's, that's my home. So what's something about Lebanon that like most Americans don't realize? Because most Americans, like me, my, my image on everyone, I was like, yeah. the 83, you know, Beirut, Beirut bombing, you know, terrorism, all this crazy stuff, you know. So what's, what's something like me, I, I, I don't realize that's like a great thing about Lebanon. So people, most people don't understand, in September of 83, uh, the embassy was a terrible bombing. That was the day I was born. Oh, wow. Oh, that was shit. the day I was born in September of 83, oh, and the shit. embassy bombing in the U.S., and it was brutal, and, and everybody turned. Um, I think most people don't understand one thing about the Middle East. And you know what? Actually, I lied. I'm very sorry. It's not the Middle East. It's Lebanon. My sister, so I'm Raja, R-A-J-A. My sister's Raya, R-A-Y-A. My sister, who is older than me, at 2 in the morning, my sister can walk down the streets of the busiest place or the most rural no person driving mm -hmm. past place happy and safe she can have 
human beings come up to her and talk to her and make sure she's safe. They can, she can make sure that they walk her home safely. Um, there's a stigma about the Middle East about safety and, and, and fem- or whatever you want to call it, gender specific. But I remember one day after a big club party at 2.17 in the morning in Ashrafia, which is, is the epitome of just the quintessential, like, oh, party. Four, human, four men came up to my sister who was in her 40s mm. and said, hey, it's 2.17 in the morning. Are you safe? Do you need to walk home? And, and I implicitly trusted them to walk yeah. home. And I think that's what most people don't understand. Lebanon is a, the diaspora is about four million people, and in house about one point three. It's it's a it's a rounding error of a country, but uh, not everybody's terrible in the Middle East. I promise. Yeah, like like I spent time and in the army. I spent time in Afghanistan, yeah. Kuwait, and just the greatest people. I'm just fucking wonderful people. I remember and, talking about Afghanistan the second time. Um, you know, so we were so we we, we ran like the, the Bagram Detention Facility, right? So we partners the Afghan Army, right? Every I think it was every Wednesday, they hosted a barbecue, right? Yeah. They would take a goat, slaughter like several goats, and just do this ritual. And that's not a rounding era of, of it is of, so great. And that's that wasn't a rounding era of like of of stuff to them. Goats is like meat. I mean, my 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 father, it's really sad. He's the uh, president of. Basically, the entire country's medical system. He runs LAU, which is uh, the university. He was at a grocery store a week ago. It is uh, June 14th of 2022. He was at a grocery store a week ago in the Middle East, and he took the wine, not meat or anything. He took the wine. He had wine. He had one bottle of wine in his cart. He took it out, and he put it back because everybody in the store was looking at him. They're like... Oh wow, you can get wine? Oh wow, that's so impressive. He felt so bad. He didn't want to disrespect his constituency. He took the wine out of his cart. He felt so bad mm-hmm. just to get wine and he put it back. That's the reality of what's going on right now. It's now the hey, we we beat people for whatever in Lebanon. It's just like, listen, shit sucks. Shit sucks. Hyperinflation is brutal. You can't take out more than $14 in a bank every day. 14 Imagine if I could take out fourteen dollars tops in a day, it'd be right every motherfucker. Are you kidding me right Bank now? Bank would burn the fuck down. Are you kidding me right now? Hospital system be running down like everything, but and 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 they're doing it with smiles on their faces. So you know, I remember last year. I was it was literally last year. This is twenty nine in twenty twenty one. I was actually twenty nine. Yeah, okay, twenty two. So two years ago, we went back home and. We were, we were on top of our uh, an apartment complex, and this man with a solid gold Rolex on, because he, he's a world-renowned brain surgeon, he's siphoning water out of cisterns just to get us water from our house. Come on, man. It's, it, it normalizes you. It, it brings you back to reality. It brings you back to startups. It brings you back to you don't have to fire a bunch of people if you make some arbitrary like metric on a KPI. And it irks me, the Coinbase. It, it does. I'm not, I won't mince my words. And, and this is a conversation I have with my old lady all the time. Coinbase is just fucking shit, in my opinion. You know, once I actually have like Bitcoin with them, I, I need to take that shit out. Just in general, like if, if, if you have this big, this idea that works, and in and, and when one week, like, oh yeah, we raised blah, 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 and we have the other blah, 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 and then the next week, you're like, no, actually, just fuck you. Like, where is it? Where's reality? 
Because it's going to have a lot of people just being like disingenuous with everything. Startups, founders, they're they're not going to understand themselves. Well, like me, me and Levi, we were talking about this like last week. Talking about Coinbase, like Levi said perfectly. Like I, I cannot support a, socio, a sociopath. We're all sociopaths at heart. Yeah, true, true, true. We are. So, do you know anything about the startup scene in Lebanon? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Move up some. Huh? Move up some. They've, uh... It's a pretty, pretty vibrant startup scene there. It's really vibrant. Kind of know the Middle East, like, Israel gets all the pub, right? Israel, like, you know, all the top nuts, you know, but... Holy shit. Like, I actually personally didn't realize this about some of the Israeli companies. I had a, con- a friend of mine talk about some of these insure tech companies in Israel. I had a, I just realized one of these insure tech companies in Israel on four, four separate occasions have raised $250 million. That's a billion dollars they That's raised. insane. That's insane. Are you kidding me? So uh, there's a lot of Israeli companies that are just, that are, Doing great. Uh, I think what they're trying to realize is that these these Middle Eastern and, and these third world, not third world, but a lot of these you know non U.S. countries, Pan Africa, like we said, and I mean, there's talent everywhere, right? There's talent everywhere. There really is talent everywhere. So, I mean, like you hear the story, like you know, you know, like the random stories out of Africa, right? Some random fourteen year old African kid, yeah, did some you know, like you know, it's like I'm making this up. Like you've done, you've done something really, really cool. I really love the whole thing. It's nice, ain't it? It really is. What's the next? What's the next step? Uh, like for the company, the podcast. So next step, I mean, like I'm a founder of this studio now. It's been fucking great so far. I mean, I'm a big fan of Levi. What was fucking crazy about Founder Institute? Like we started with 25. This day people drop off. Like I think three people already dropped out. Right? Like damn. Are we? Yeah, we're live. I don't know what. How have you, how have you liked it? I've liked it. I have. I mean, like, I like Levi. We're going to get us on bid for a week, right? Oh. I'm going to bid for a week, right? Okay. So, like, the shit hits the fan next week. So, we have a meeting tomorrow. So, from June 15th to June 22nd, so, oh, the shit hits the fan. Like, it's like, this week we're going to do customer interviews, customer interactions. According to, like, the Front Institute, like, plan is, like, it's like, it's like 20, 20 hours, right? It's going to last a long time, not right? What's what's the what's your specific ask? Like, what do you what are they sales? I, I need sales. What's speak to it? Like okay, what, like because I, I what's the big like what's the big picture? Because do you, I want to make sure that FI that we can support you the way yeah. that you need. So me, like I've done those sales research. I got leads. I got everything down. I know this hall, but I need to pick the phone up and say, hey. Small business owner, will you buy my shit? You know, what's your like? Have you have you worked on the pricing model? Like, yeah, pricing everything now. Okay, and you're gonna do an HR specific, yeah, rollout. Yeah, where's your niche beachhead market? Um, I know we said the under the fifty, but yeah. like, what have you? What industry? What this? What this? What this? What this? Not really. Okay. Like, like a few years okay. ago, I did, okay. I did construction, but construction like good old boy from the HR, you know. And everyone said the HR, but you know, like you know. So with me, like the the FI last fourteen weeks, to me FI is a breaking point for me, right? Like I either have to be a company or not company after after the fourteen weeks, right? 
I'll be really honest. I'm very, very happy you got to that point because they'll be like, no or yes. Yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Are you? I'm good. Well, you know, I'm good. some people bullshit themselves. No, good on you, homie. Like, because a lot of people bullshit themselves. Like, I think it, it makes so much I sense. I mean, I just go work somewhere else to start up, you know? No, no, no. I mean, and yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's really, really important. I think. I mean, sometimes it's better to be number seven than number one, right? And I think a lot of people are saying, like, so at in in this group that I'm with, like, yeah, I'm not number one. I'm not. And that's okay. Because my company's I'm number one, but this one, I'm learning. I'm adding. I'm I'm validating. I'm growing. Um, what's your what's your specific ask? Yes, someone to say, Jason, makes do sales. That's it. Jason do sales. Like for me, like it's embarrassing to say this. Like post sales number one, right? Yeah. I have to say five things to do. Sales number one. I need to do sales. I do one hundred. I do this. I do that. Always, I was like, I know I need to do it. And like, I know I need to do it, right? I know I'm getting my kicked in. Some people say no. But yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's it. And we said, what's that one market that's like, they're, they're lacking the product? Like truly lacking it? Um, startups. Easily. Startups easily. But they don't have the money for it. Okay, let me phrase that. Startups, no, I'm just, I'm yeah, just, I'm just wondering. I mean, so I play devil advocate. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you the startup. Sorry. Yes, because before we talk, how they can involve startups. If you don't mind. Yeah. So first day is three forty six. You still have it before. Okay. So retired twenty fifteen. By the year before I retired, the army says no. Go on LinkedIn, find a job. So on LinkedIn, reach out to different people. It's and we know going from that to the private is brutal. Yeah. It's it's no fucking joke. Yes. I have so many fucking stories. I know. So. I'm on LinkedIn, reaching out people, right? And this guy named Mark Monroe, shout out to Mark Monroe, big fan of his. So he's in Seattle. He sent me an email, a, a LinkedIn message. Hey, Jason, I see you on LinkedIn. Um, in the Army. I have a startup called My Unfold. We want to have college graduates and military veterans yeah. find jobs. Yeah. But no resume, because the resume doesn't help you out. We're going to do skills tests. Can we meet in person? I ask you a question about how long we going to find a job. Yeah, sure, no question. One question for you. What the fuck is a startup? Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? You don't start a company. They always fucking exist. Like, you know, so he laughed at me in person. He gave me like a quick dummies version, like MVP, lean market fit, blah, 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 whatever. Light bulb goes off. Mark, you talk about any of everything, sales, marketing, but you talk about HR right now. Oh, Mark, HR, like, it's important, but way down the road. Talk some more. No light bulb goes off. Mark, you know, let me join your startup. You know, I can I can learn some stuff. I can help you out, whatever. Mark, like, let me think about it. Me being me, I fucking hire myself. Yep. Start going to meetings, meeting people, blah blah blah. Uh, two years of two years of there, I like this idea of things thing except design a code. I like to tell them this. So interesting side effect: the person who did a design for us and marketing for us both graduated from high school for my daughter in Korea, 2006. Mm. So that's the fucking, that's the great dynamic, right? It's not saying that. Like, it is fucking cool to share, right? I, yeah, I believe in certain things. So. And uh, the great, I've learned so much, I learned so much, right? Networking, meeting people you know. But after two years, like, man, this is, Mark just not to shut it down, right? 
And even that day, we're talking about, man, why do we shut it down right quick? We, we, we were like, we didn't have no raise money, right? But like, they shut it down right. But like, none of these startups have HR. Why not? Maybe it's an idea I can do, right? Did a quick pivot from startups, and I'm not gonna do this pro bono, to small business. So I tell you to do your business of validation. So, small business administration says, just find me coming for another few people. Most of HR, me. I cost 50000 more per year plus benefits. Yeah. HR consultants who are like overcharged and deliver. Like, I'm an HR consultant. I work for you. You hire me. Yep. I do an audit. Hey, Rock, you need employee handbooks. Yep. I know that. What can you make for me? Oh, I don't make it for you. I just consult you. So you're going to pay me $200 an hour to tell you what you fucking know? Interesting. That's fucking bullshit, right? And then idea validation where I fucked up, you know, I tried like 331 people and I was just like, instead of like doing the metrics and stuff like I said before, I just like, you know, positive. Shooting negative. at the head. Yeah, it's a- but like, man, no, you know, I'm happy like going like that. Right. And this, you know, that's pretty much started going yeah. to that. No, go, no, of course, make so many mistakes. Right. Like, like in my mind, where I'm at right now, this is like June, 2022, where I'm right now, I should have been here like June, 2020. Been so many mm-hmm. tech people, you know, like it's just made so many mistakes. Another thing too, like I, I told the start founders, like me and mistake I made so many times. Like someone will say, Hey, here's this some kind of platform, right? It's a fifty percent off for six months. Yep. I don't really need it, but man, can I pass this deal up? Nope. And I, I'll pay like twenty dollars nope. a month. Nope. And then I never fucking use it. Nope. And when it turns to forty, you're like, hey, whatever. Fuck. I uh, I literally had a, a, a... I sat here with a friend. And I was like... This actually isn't right. Because when I... When we were... Yeah, dude. Like, it's, it's a... It's hard. It's really, really, really hard, especially going to the private side. It's, it's, it ends up being a really, really, really hard like situation where people don't understand. They're getting fleeced. They don't want to hear it. They don't want you to tell them that. And if you do, no, you're wrong. Yeah. It's like, no, listen, uh, listen, you're not doing what you need to do for the price point that you're paying. Yeah. They don't want to hear it because then they're stupid. And, and then, like, being a friend is so tough. Like, look, like, I've, I've been to so many people, right? You know, like, uh, like, and, like, it's just crazy. Like, people go through, like, people like to talk about the, how hard it is to be a founder. They don't realize, like, you like you tell some people to come on you, to come into your company, right? Yeah. First of all, you might, you know, say, tell the lie. Hey, don't make the startup. I'll give you 1% equity. And honestly, like, if I say, hey, don't make company equity, what I'm really saying is, Raj, join my company for this pot of gold and rainbow. And not, fuck you. You're not gonna fucking get it. Yep. You because like yep. If startups yep. is so like pro CEO, right? But you pro get CEO. It. But you get it. Yeah. But you well, you do more more than most, which is which is emblematic of the entire industry, because we all feel like we're getting fleeced. We all feel like. And and again, go back to Coinbase. Like, oh yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. And they're like, oh, you're all gone. Yeah. Wait, what the fuck, dude? You just raised this. You're just doing this. You talk about your K1s and your, your 10Ss and your 10Qs. And, like, you're just going to do this to us. It's, it's hard. One thing I love, so many people on LinkedIn, I've heard, like, on the, on the LinkedIn profile, we send an offer with Coinbase. I just fucking love that. <sighs> I fucking love that. That's hard. No, I get it. It's just such a hard paradigm to fight, man. And that's why I'm just like, when I say I build stuff, it's just like I have no ego about it. It's like, how do you not know, like, 
I mean, like, okay, you have to ask, two, like, worst case scenario, best case scenario, right? Well, it's something in the middle. You have to be, yo, brother, I like, I love that you just said that, like, I'm, I'm sure we're, like, way past time, but, like, um, there, there needs to be, like, an in-case of emergency break glass. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think, and I, and again, Mary Kay was just so instrumental being, like, hey, if this doesn't work, what is our, like, our, our, our B and our C scenario? Yeah. I was like, founders don't think of a B and a C scenario. They don't. Because they have this hubris and ego, but like the reality yeah, it has is this like bubble. The company only matters. Shit doesn't work. Don't give a fuck about other people's feelings, whatever. Like, the reality like, is shit doesn't work sometimes. And she thing. has an in case of. Oh, that's what it was. She sent me. We were talking to investors, and she had an in case of emergency. The document literally said, Jay, like in case of emergency, break glass. I'm like, I can't tell that to people. She's like, you have to. I was like, yeah. No, we have to. We have to in case of emergency, break glass because it might not pan out the way that we think it will. And if you go in with that stigma of like, it's all going to be perfect, great. It's going to be really, really difficult to, to partize. But if you're like, hey, it's a startup. Shit sucks. Let's try and figure it out. We're in this partnership and in, in this in this hole together. If you can look over in the in the foxhole and they're smiling, you're in good company. Yeah. You, but they have to make sure they know they got, they're got they getting in the foxhole for the right reason. Hey, and Raj. most people fleece them. Yeah. So I'm going to put a Raj real fast, right? Go to the bathroom. Bye, So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the camera on you, and, oh. and what I want you to do is like this. Talk about, we didn't talk about this enough, right? Talk about how you come, like the idea for your company, what yeah, the, yeah, yeah. What the go, focus is, and what the business for your company. Cool. My man, so I appreciate it. So Thrive Health, um, what we ended up doing was we realized that a lot of people, convenience and finances are the barrier to entry. When it comes to push come to shove, it's not about it's not about that. It's more about, hey, do we believe in ourselves? And this is habit forming. And habit forming to me was more like an empowerment movement. So we're psychosomatic, and the reality of the situation was these mental um, reps turned into physical reps. Hey, I didn't think I could do this. I didn't think I could quit my job. I didn't think I could ask for a raise. I didn't think I could break up with this person who's cheating on me. And when we realized that we can do the physical stuff, the mental stuff, uh, the psychosomatic stuff came into second nature. So, for example, I didn't think I could do this movement pattern of lunges because I didn't have enough tensile strength in my muscles. Oh, my God, I did. And now that I've seen this tangible, like, like this efficacy rate, this cash value to me, which is basically me doing these, these lunges, it's more like, okay, now I've done these lunges. Now I know if I didn't think I could do that before and I didn't think I could ask for a raise before, now I can ask for a raise because I didn't think I'd do these lunges and I have empowered to do these lunges. I didn't think I could do these lunges and I'm empowered to do these lunges. I didn't think I could I could put my loved one into a you know hospice situation with cancer because I wasn't strong enough. Well, I didn't think I was strong enough to do these lunges and I did. So once you see the physical manifestations, then the mental manifestations come to fruition. So for example, Again, we had a young lady, and she goes, she 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 came uh, from a really 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 rough background, and it was more like um, infidelity, and then um, more of a dynamic internally with work. And she goes, I don't think I can ask for the things that I want to make myself happy. We said, Well, why not? She goes, Because that's just not who I am. So once we realized and, and empowered her with one of our people in the Thrive platform. It was matched personality-wise. It was an empathetic Eric, not a drill sergeant Doug. 
saying, hey, listen, you can figure out if you can do one movement pattern and then the second movement pattern and power do the third movement pattern. And I know it's kind of a stretch, but you can do the fourth movement pattern. The fourth movement pattern got her to that kind of turning point of, oh, wow, this is me as a human being. I'm stronger than I think I am. I think I can do left instead of doing right. So the physical side goes with the mental side. And that's where Thrive kind of came from. And once we realized that these these healthy habits were based more instead of um, instead of more more like numbers and reps, but like uh, the RQ, which is the relationship quotient, that was something that we realized was a big, 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 big delta. So we took to the relationship quotient instead of anything else. The relationship quotient is something about empowerment and belonging. Hey, I belong in this ecosystem. Hey, I, I feel empowered by this ecosystem, which is be a healthy ecosystem. And this RQ lends itself, the relationship lends itself, i.e. your Myers-Briggs, lends itself to a, um, sticking to this healthy habit longer. And then our last iteration was kind of working towards the Tesla model. The Tesla model is more like an insurable model. And this is what we're doing actually with Thrive Health, doing it from Thrive Health as a like digital health platform to an insurance company. And the insurance capability is really important because this is something that we want to do because we, we're taking all these data analytics. And data analytics are important. Why? What does Tesla know? Tesla knows, hey, um, Jason, you drive the right speed limit. You use your blinker. You haven't got an air wreck. You're a good driver. We're going to insure you through Tesla insurance. So what does Thrive Health know? You've been sticking to your healthy habit. You've been continuing to do that. And now on a healthy habit situation, we know for a fact that you're sticking to that. We're going to insure at a lower premium versus your health insurance, kind of what that Tesla model was doing. So we, we've been really, really, really lucky in understanding what, what, what Thrive Health is doing and how it's been doing to, to the general constituency. Dude, I need a fucking bladder transplant. <laughs> Welcome to my life, man. Welcome to my life, man. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I, I, I hope there's so many people out there that can do better for better people. And uh, I think that uh, the general stigma is something that's, it's on a negative slope, but we can make it on a positive slope. I really think we can. So how many tattoos do you have? Too many. Too many, my man. We, I'm, I'm completely covered. Are you? Legs too? Yeah. yeah I have 36. I've done my, I've done something my ankle. It's, uh, it's been interesting though, because, you know, there's that stigma that comes from it. Yeah. Um, What's well, been your most painful tattoo? Armpits. Yeah, tattooing armpits. Yeah, just for fun, dude. Like you're fucking fucking insane. I literally, for no reason, on my spine and on my armpits, I got two circles and a straight, and just this the first one's two circles and a, just a straight line down my spine, just to be like, yeah, fuck you. The spine's pretty painful, right? Yeah. Just to enjoy it, and then on my cat. So you know where the bones, where there's no meat, just the bones. So. I was gonna do one here. I stuck it here, and I was like, okay. Yeah. And, and then for, for me, the most painful has been this one right here, the one on my uh, left Achilles. Those been the most painful. For some reason, the pits were really, really, really tough. Yeah. They're really, really a lot of nerve specific, but uh, this was. I'm sure most of yours have some meaning. Oh yeah, all my have meaning. Yeah. So it's, we we ended up doing something, but you know. It's been it's been hard because when you're covered in tattoos and it lends itself again to a lot of thought processes yeah. that just 
really aren't. Even real. you tell people this means something to me, right? Like even like like to me the most beautiful tattoo I have like my grandma's name, right? Even then people are like, why you get your grandma's name tattoo, right? What's that do, right? It's again. It goes back to being binary. If you if 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 there's an issue with all these things, then you're gonna have an issue with me as a person. Yeah, which is kind of nice because it's a it's a great filter. And most people don't want to say like, oh, we want to filter out and discriminate. No, I want if like if this is an issue, which I totally under that's the wife, <laughs> which I totally understand. Like it, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So we, I know we got to end pretty quickly. Yeah. What do you what do you do for fun? Shoot guns and work out. And um, it's lame. I mentor. I love talking to people about startups. It's pathetic. Yeah. I my intellectual stimulus comes from talking to people. Like me, I get at least one mess a day from someone, either from a, a startup founder or someone looking for a job once a day. I, I just love it so much. Right? Like, what do you do with them? I just what do you talk to them about? Like, where do you, where do you where is your caveats? Where is like, hey, watch out for this? Do you show them where the mind mind fields are, or you just let them? Figure it out. No, not only figure out, you know, like, of course, they're from a good place. How you do it. Like, someone's trying to find a job, I say, what's your background? You know, what are you trying to do? Who do you know? What's your social media game? You know, like, are you introvert, extrovert? All those kind of things, you know. And Star Founds, like, you know, like, Star Founds, like, it just depends what they want, you know, like, totally. like, what do you want? Like, and what's crazy to me is like, it just means like, I haven't made it yet. You're like, I'm fucking struggling as fuck, right? Like, it's, it's like, part of me is like, why does this person reach out to me for advice? Well, they reach out for a reason. It's like, it was fucking crazy. Like, no, nah, that's okay, though. It's, that it's, means they it, respect it, you, yeah, man. It's called the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Well, the imposter syndrome is... It's hard because I know when I would add value... But it, but it does, like, you know, boost your ego, right? Like, people reach out to you like today, someone reached out to me. Hey, Jason, we met a few years ago. I'm struggling. You know, can we meet up? I run some stuff by you. I, I mean, it is an ego boost, you know. Like it's an ego boost, but I think also more importantly, it's it's not a it's not imposter syndrome. If they're reaching out, they're reaching out for a reason. Yeah, brother, you got to help them. Yeah, we all we got to help each other. We all yeah. we all got to figure out where our trials and tribulations are, where our pitfalls are, and just see. And, and and again, I like I lean into Jeremy and Levi and and and, and then Dave Parker mm-hmm. and, and then Dan Kahani. I'm like, hey guys, like I'm messing up. Where yeah. am I messing up? And I've been so lucky. I've been so lucky, and that's why I think FI is so important. There's no ego. Yeah. There's like I, when I call when I text Levi or call Levi, Levi, he's like, that's stupid. I was like, thank you, thank man. you. Levi it's is just so fucking great. And they're all great, man. I appreciate it all the time, man. I gotta pretend to care about my family. Yeah. So, so last thing before we get out of here, I want you to spend like maybe thirty six one minute, give advice or wisdom or anything you want to talk about. I it's not popular. Don't care. I I, I know, and I'm sure you get it, but your male or female appendage is good enough. I promise. It's it's a really, really hard time for everybody. Liquidity is being dried up. Don't placate and don't give platitudes. Don't compromise who you are because in the long run, you're going to end up just shooting yourself in the foot. It took us five years to get to where we wanted, and we're on a trajectory and a path that, that nobody can derail. Even market 
like even market conditions can't derail it. So if you're true to who you are, if you're sticking to your experience, if you're sticking to the podcast, no exigent circumstance can derail who you are. So as cheeky and, and, and prophetic and bullshit as it sounds, stick to what you know. And then if you need to iterate, take the, a little bit of your ego out of it, but stick to who you are as a person and just be honest and have a good support system that's not an echo chamber, but have a good support system that can make you feel vulnerable and safe at the same time. If you have a group or a constituency that can make you feel vulnerable to tell you what you're thinking, hey, I don't know if this is going to work, but safe to say it at the same time, it's better than any investor, it's better than an advisor, it's better than any network that you can have. And more importantly, they're fleeting. So lean into them. If you think it's like an online platform or whatever, if it's FI, if it's if it's Jason and his constituency, lean into it in a big way and just really own it. Don't switch. Don't look for the next thing. A lot of people have one idea about a system and they're like, oh, this next system looks so much better because it's the system 2.0. Why? You don't need the system 2.0. The system 1.0 has been there from thick and thin. No, you bring up a good point. One thing I also learned like 20 years ago, I just recently learned none of this matters. You know, like, like don't care what people say, live your best life. We're like, just dust, dude. Yeah, we're just dust, right? You're like, we're, just we're, dust. we're here such a, such a short amount of time, we're right? We're just dust, dude. And like, I also learned that so, so long ago, right? But it's hard. It's hard to learn. It's hard to hear. It's hard, like, wait, what are you saying over there? Like, no, no, I got to do this. No, you don't. Because everybody else wants you to do the blah, 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 blah. It's hard. It's really, really hard. You have the tech stars and the YCs and the ups and the downs and the and the, and the the tech and the geek wire and the crunch bases and the NFX. Who cares? Who cares? Because then you end up losing $40 billion in a, in a, in a night. I'm, and I've done it. I've personally done it. Trust I me. I mean, live your best life. Like, like uh, I'm a TikTok part too much. <laughs> so, like, so, uh, so I, I follow, I, I follow different people on TikTok. Right? There's one person I follow on TikTok. You know, like one person is like uh, his name is Britton, Britton Conti. I know Brooklyn, right? He's a photographer. Photographer. Okay. His thing is like how to spend ten dollars like different cities, right? Yeah. So ten dollars in Bangkok. Yeah. Ten dollars this, right? Why not? Just great fucking content, right? Why not? Other lady, I just recently follow. I can't remember her name. She's like 23, 24. She's a female solo travels all around the world, right? Just fucking great pictures, right? And, and people like, are, are you are you scared? Like, no. Like, I have my, I have my. She basically, she said I have protection. We yeah. says, she has a fucking gun. Got a cell phone. Like I, 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 you know, I do different stuff. I, who, you know, like so many people doing different things, right? Like man, I'm so fucking jealous, right? Like my dream is like get an RV, travel across the country, right? It's awesome, dude. Do it. Just do it. Just like I, I think it's really interesting. Like we we get also beholden and caught up in the bullshit, and then like we realize that the bullshit. Even when we when we acquire it and we get it, you still have this giant hole. Yeah. And there's the hole will always be there. You're not going to fit a hole in anything that's somebody no. else's piece. You're just no. not because in because that puzzle just looks weird. The puzzle looks like oh great all these 999 pieces, but that one other piece of somebody else is like nope that doesn't fit. And things too like you know you got to realize like what makes one person happy might not be no people happy. Like I know right. people a good friend of mine his thing is baseball. Yeah. He watched baseball. He coaches yeah. baseball. He plays softball. With his kid. Yeah. He watched an R5. You know, he has a decent living, you know. Okay, it's their life, right? Other people, like, you know, like, they got to have, like, build billion-dollar dollar companies, right? And that's how you, that's that whole measurement of success I was talking about. It just kind of depends. 
Raj, man, this is a fucking good conversation. I man. love you, man. This is a lot of fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Love when we do it again. Hey, Raj, thanks for your time, man. Always, brother. That was fun. And for listeners, take your time with Raj. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up, you've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up.